Welcome to episode 185 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. So, continuing, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a mini-series on just fun movies. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just ones that we wanted to do. I don't know if there's a name for that. But, uh, you know, we Sam, just... Sam's choice. Yeah, I, again, first time... Did we establish last week maybe the first time in the history of the podcast I've had back-to-back picks? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of my deficiencies at movie trivia. Yeah, I'm picking ribs at my teeth too. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I got ribs in my teeth too. Those are yep. delicious. Before we came, they on were here. delicious. A little yep. peek behind the curtain for everyone. Manny often makes me dinner before we do these things. <laughs> he's he's quite the chef, and I thank him for it. <laughs> uh, so we had a delicious meal, and we'll have a delicious movie to talk about today. At least in my opinion, I'll find out what Manny thinks in short order. Uh, the 2003 comedy School of Rock, one that I grew up on and uh, was very fond of growing up, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, after Manny informs both myself and the people where uh, we can be found on social media if people would like to do that. They can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manny Movie Podcast. They can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, where if you have just a mere fraction of a time... We'd greatly appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and a positive review as it does increase our profile, allows more people to find us, allows more people to listen, which we greatly appreciate. Manny, is it fair to say we uh, we both have our minds a little bit elsewhere tonight? Because uh, moment, <laughs> moments before we came on air, uh, we uh, for those who don't know, we use this app called Letterboxd uh, yes. in, our, in our personal lives. And Which has been a godsend. Yeah, it's mostly just for logging movies. It's like a, it, it's kind of a social media thing. Like you can add friends and see friends' scores and stuff. But mainly, I think you and I just use it to track ourselves and to track the movies we've been watching. Yeah. And, and then what we rate them and stuff. And we both upgraded the pro right before we came on air. And we just, it comes with all these different stats. And if there's one thing that <laughs> Manny and I love almost as much as movies, it's stats. We just love weird little statistics yeah. on what we've re- our highest rated movies highest rated actors all that sort of weird bullshit and uh yeah i think i think this is going to be a toy that we play with for the foreseeable future I, i'm <laughs> i this is now upgrading to pro i will probably be logging into letterbox even more yeah now like it'll probably be what i log into when i have like two or three minutes to just kill mm-hmm. instead of log <clears throat> instead of logging into uh, maybe instagram not very much but mostly facebook or, or i as much as i don't really follow the news i do use my news app as yeah. well just to kind of see what's kind of going on mm-hmm. yeah letterbox is going to eat up a lot of my free time now if anyone from letterbox happens to be listening to this hey letterbox send us free shit or <laughs> pay us to promote your product because we like it anyway so just you know if you feel like giving us some money you know we wouldn't be opposed to that. You know what? Don't even give us money. Promote our podcast. Or you know what? 
even if you're not from Letterboxd, give us money and promote our podcast. <laughs> That's true. Really, anyone is welcome to do yeah. these things. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm just thinking of all the great, amazing things that I'm going to be looking at in Letterboxd and then texting you. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll try to keep the cart on the whale, on the rails, not the whales. <laughs> try to keep the cart on the rails tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. But speaking of statistics, Manny, uh, do you have uh, the numbers for me on tonight's masterful movie? I do, but before we get there, we did want to give a shout-out to oh, somebody. Oh, of course. Um, yes. The, I guess, the performing arts circle, performing arts people, mm-hmm. uh, lost a, a pretty important person uh, recently, and that was Stephen Sondheim, uh, a very renowned playwright. Now, Sam and I aren't huge into theater, um, but Stephen Sondheim, uh, quite a few of his uh, plays did get turned into movies, but the two most significant ones... Uh, I've seen both. Sam's only seen one, uh, and that's West Side Story and Sweeney Todd. Sam has seen Sweeney Todd uh, and will very soon be seeing West Side Story. Ooh, foreshadowing. We're reviewing it next week. Indeed. Um, I, I've seen both. Uh, West Side Story is unbelievable, the film adaptation. I can only imagine how great it must be on stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sweeney Todd was entertaining. I had, I had a good enough time, but... I think I, I threed it back in the day. I was, can't remember what was, I gave it. Was it was reasonable enough. Yeah. I, was de- I, I, I definitely didn't dislike it. Yeah. So, might be... I might. I don't know. I'll revisit it someday. Well, actually, well, whenever we get around to getting that year, I will definitely have to revisit it because Depp got nominated. So, I'll have to... Is that 08? I guess I have no idea. Something like that. Um, but yeah, we just, we just wanted to give him a shout out. I do know some of his other plays have been turned to film, but I hadn't seen them and some of them I'd never heard of. So while it is obviously a little disrespectful for us not to mention it, um, we don't want to be facetious and say that those are films that we've even heard of or that we know. So we just really wanted to give uh, a moment of respect to someone that touched a lot of lives and i think his connection to west side story um is reason enough for him to be mentioned on a film podcast let alone all of the all the other things that he affected Mm -hmm. um 2007 for sweeney todd demon barber of fleet street 2007 i'm trying to think i'm trying to find whose year that was um so it would have been the 08 oscars so 2007 would have is that slumdog millionaire no is it isn't 2007 isn't isn't that oh is that no, no country, country for old men yeah. yeah you're right so that's gonna be um oh that's uh dan lewis <laughs> our, good, our good friend dan lewis won uh, best actor that year yes yeah sorry johnny you weren't winning yeah i'm if i'm almost positive that that's i think you're correct year. yeah uh so yeah just before uh we, we dive into school rock we did want to give a, a shout out to to steven sondheim so um we tip our cap to you sir and give you a, a standing ovation for the for the work that you provided indeed on a lighter note, we will now dive into uh, Sam's uh, second straight choice. Yeah, I don't know how I got that one locked up. <laughs> I don't know who allowed me to have that. I think it's probably because I wanted to get your films done out of the way. Yeah, that's probably it. Probably. Yeah, we, and we have some bullshit coming up that you yeah. picked. <laughs> <laughs> we in two weeks we have some serious bullshit. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked. All right. So the movie we're reviewing this week is School of Rock. It was released October third, two thousand three. Directed by Richard Linklater. Uh, written by Michael White. Uh, starring Jack Black, Joan Cusack, and Michael White. 
uh, has a Metascore of uh, 82. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, wow. Why, yeah, why man, he it? put his glasses on when he read that. Like, was, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm like, why is it fuzzy? I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing my glasses. <laughs> I thought you were trying to be funny. I thought no. you were like, like Metascore of what? Yeah, well, <laughs> because it's a little, I'm like, I, I'm like, it's not 32. <laughs> I'm like, that's can't be right. Yeah. Uh, went uh, O for O at the Oscars, not receiving any nominations. Uh, had a budget of $35 million. It grossed 81 uh, in the U.S. and 131 worldwide. The plot, after being kicked out of his rock band, Dewey Finn becomes a substitute teacher of an uptight elementary private school, only to try and turn his class into a rock band. Sam, you mentioned that this was a movie you grew up with. Mm-hmm. So 2003, you would have been seven? Yeah, I would have been turning seven when this turning came out. Turning seven. I'm an October baby, so yeah, it came out the month of my seventh birthday. So do you remember seeing it that young? With this, I don't know if I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I. I, I this is one. It. This is one that uh, I watched on home video a lot. Like I am old enough to remember video rental stores. Yep. And I went down to the movie gallery in Aberdeen quite a lot when I was a kid with my parents. Okay. I remember renting these this movie a lot for family movie nights. Not to mention it got shown on MTV like every day. It felt like. Oh right, definitely. So this was, this would be up there in like childhood films for you. Yeah, if we're talking sheer numbers of like amount of times watched, this is probably about top five for me. What? All time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so why don't you give us uh, your spoiler-free thoughts on uh, your childhood comedy film? So, obviously, I love this movie. I've, <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that. This is one I still quote regularly, in particular, in particular with my siblings, who watched this with me quite regularly growing up. Um, I am, I think it's safe to say I'm a fan of Jack Black, mostly through this movie. I'm also a fan of his band, Tenacious D., um, I think they're good musicians, both him and his bandmate Kyle Gass. I also am a, <laughs> I'm a fan of the Guilty Pleasure musical that Tenacious D put out, uh, Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny, mm-hmm. and it very much is a Guilty Pleasure movie. I almost chose that movie for this one, but, <laughs> but decided against it. Um, I should also point out that I am a longtime rock and roll fan. My dad is probably the biggest rock fan that I know. He worked for a classic rock radio station in Vancouver before I was born, and this type of music was always present yes. in my house growing up. This was always being played. Uh, but this movie, I can't understate just how formative it was in not only my love for movies of this type, like comedies, but for music and for rock and roll music. For those who don't know me, I, I play drums, um, mostly rock and metal, and I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this movie directly correlates to that decision. Um, there's, a, I'm trying to decide whether I'll say this in, no, I'll say this right now, because I just, while it's in mind, it's not really a spoiler. There's a moment in the movie where there's a montage, where Jack Black is teaching all the students, and it's a montage scene, so like, one scene he's showing Zach a bunch of guitarists, and the next scene he's showing uh, Freddie, uh, all, the, all the different drummers. Mm-hmm. One of the drummers that he shows Freddie is this guy named Keith Moon from The Who. And I have a distinct memory sitting on my couch, probably like eight or nine years old. And uh, I was watching this movie with my dad for this who knows how manyth time. And he pointed and he said, that guy right there, that's Keith Moon from The Who. That guy was insane. Uh, He once put a stick of dynamite in his drum kit without telling the rest of his band. And that's why the guitarist from The Who is deaf in one ear. It's because he set it off on stage without telling people. I was like, whoa, 
that guy's crazy. And he said, yeah, but he's a crazy drummer. And I, from that day on, I was just looking up clips of Keith Moon on YouTube. And I was like, I want to play like that guy. That guy's <laughs> crazy. And from then on, I just wanted to be a drummer. Like the line is very direct from this movie to my per- my that current passion for rock and roll music. adorable. I know, I still remember that. And that's an absolutely true story. So oh, I love this. to say that this movie is like... Obviously, it's one that I enjoy, but to say that it's personally important to me is an understatement, frankly. Mm-hmm. It's one that I love time and time again. I think Jack Black's hilarious. Um, I think the movie is silly and ludicrous and over the top. <laughs> I think it's a, it, it's not really based in reality. This man would not be allowed to walk off the street without ID and teach at the school. The whole plot is nonsense, mm-hmm. but I love it. Uh, I quote this movie with my siblings all the time the smallest things like if the word shredding comes up in conversation i'll do a leg kick like jack black i'd say shredding (laughs) like he does to his class the list goes on and on um i'll leave the specifics for the spoiler section but suffice it to say i was happy to revisit this manny no matter what your experience was of this movie i don't really know whether you liked this or whether you didn't like it i assume if i was to guess i'd say you had a reasonable enough time but it didn't connect with you on nearly the level it did with me um but this isn't one that I really expected to, you know, make your all-time list or anything. It's just one that I have a lot of fun with, and I wanted to explain uh, just exactly what it means to me. Awesome. I think for anybody to enjoy this film, it completely and 100% hinges on your opinion and thoughts on Jack, on Jack Black. Mm-hmm. That's It's literally that simple. If you are into him and his antics this movie is going to be a pure delight. If you're not, this movie is going to be a little bit harder to sit through. And I'm right on the edge in between them. I have... I don't want to say complicated. Um, Mixed emotions? I have mixed emotions about Jack Black. There are times where I find him a little too over the top for my liking... And there are lots of moments in this film where he crosses that line, and I, I'm getting annoyed. I was getting annoyed watching him on screen. Mm-hmm. Then there's other times where he has just that right amount, um, where I really enjoy him. There's a movie that I love um, called High Fidelity. Have you seen High Fidelity? I Fidel? haven't. No. Okay. Maybe that's one I might use for one of my picks. Um, in that movie. He's a, a he's a support a, a very I don't want to say minor he's a supporting character, and he's not central to the plot, <clears throat> but he it's he does the perfect amount of Jack Black antics that I can deal with, and that was that movie was my introduction to him where I where I f- kind of I don't want to say discovered him because looking back at his filmography. I've watched older movies where he's popped up, like a movie that sadly I didn't like, but I thought I would. It's called The Jackal. It's an action thriller with Bruce Willis. He has like three, two two scenes in it. Hmm. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's Jack Black. But this movie, as I was watching it the whole time, and I'd, I, I'd seen it before. Yeah. I think just for the record, you when we were talking off air, you said you thought that you hadn't seen this since theaters is that accurate not the i did i did not see this in theaters oh, I, saw okay. it, I saw it on a home video right when it when, when it was released i mm-hmm. 
and I don't mean to disparage this movie, I would not have gone to the theater to totally. see this. Totally, yeah. Uh, I saw it, so was that 2000? So this came to the October, right, of 2003? Yeah. Okay, so I would have saw it in 2004, because it wouldn't have hit home, home video until probably early 2004. Yeah. Because I think it's about a three-month window for home video back then, roughly, give or take. I don't ever recall having... This might have been my third time watching it. Mm-hmm. I would have... I, I No, I shouldn't say... It's at, it's at least my third time. I have definitely watched this twice, but it's not more than four. This movie is right down the middle of the line for me. It's... I don't hate it. There, there, there's one, two major parts of this movie that I don't like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Which we'll get into in spoilers. One, hasn't aged well, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. And there's another part where I'm just like, it's so poorly written, I, I couldn't deal with it. The premise of the movie, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. It's suspension of disbelief. It's totally. A, it's a movie. You know, it's the same as like if I have problems with this, like if I if I was if I was in that mood to where you don't really like the movie and you want to pick at everything, yeah, right. This movie gives you nothing but opportunities to do that. <laughs> that uh, wouldn't really happen. Yeah, I'm not in that. It's the same thing as like if you can't buy into the premise of yesterday, that movie's just gonna annoy you the whole time, mm-hmm. right? Because there's nothing there's nothing but plot holes in that movie. But if you buy into the premise you're going to have a very enjoyable time. And it's the same with this. So like a lot of comedies, um, just buy into the premise, let it go, <laughs> don't overthink it, and you'll have a good enough time, which, like I said, I'd seen this before, so I knew what to expect. Um, I was nervous going in because at this point in 2021, I am Jack Blacked out. Totally. I, I have no desire to watch any movie he's in, none. I'm like I I just don't I I just don't resonate with that energy of his. Looking at his filmography, we have reviewed one movie he was in that I know you is a guilty pleasure of yours. I'm talking minuscule role. Like I don't even know if he has a line in it. He must if he's credited. Oh shit! I know we talked about it. what is it again? Waterworld. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching Waterworld and being like, "Is that that was that was Jack Black just yes. like on screen for a split second. <laughs> Yes. Um, God, yeah. We can we can dive into it more. Yeah. Uh, maybe his filmography down the line. But yeah, let's uh, let let's talk about this movie. We'll talk about spoilers, even though there's not really anything to spoil. No, I mean this is a it's a ridiculous movie. Yeah, it's not even ridiculous. It's it's you don't you don't have to downplay it because I don't like it as much as you. But go right ahead. Take us into spoilers, Sam. We're about to spoil School of Rock. I highly recommend you watch the movie before you go in and Manny I'm sure would medium recommend no 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 there's no reason to <laughs> listen to this review on it without watching this movie yeah there's no reason to to like why would you listen to this you've been warned we're about to spoil school of rock three two one go fuck yourself Manny where do we begin well let's go let, well let's just go through the we'll touch on points of the movie that are worth touching mm-hmm. on uh so the opening concert uh, a quick thing, uh, some of the credits, I like some of the way the credits are on the posters and, yeah. and written on the thing. Inventive, just not enough of it. Hmm. Yeah, not far not far enough. Yeah, like, I think only like 
three or four actual credits they do that with, and then they just get right into the movie. Yeah. So I really, w- I thought it would have been really great because it, I think it is a, a like a one shot mm-hmm. as they're going through. I think it would have been, I don't know, just more enjoyable for me if they kind of did it with a lot more. Obviously, there's not a lot of names in this movie because the kids are all unknowns. Yeah, yeah. At the time, so there's really, in all honesty, there's only three actors of name in this movie. Right, Jack Black, Joan Cusack, and Sarah Silverman. Mike White, he's someone you recognize, but I doubt anybody would be able to say, hey, that's Mike White. Yeah, I would be able to because I know him as the... Uh, I know him as Mike White from School of Rock, <laughs> you know, um, and I know him as the writer of this movie. So. Did you know that he'd written this movie? Not when I was, like, really young. Okay. Um, I knew he wrote this movie, I don't know, the last dozen times that I've watched it, but okay. not when I was really young. I, I, I only found out when I started doing the doing the prep for this movie yeah i was like mike white i'm like who the fuck's mike white and then i see these in the cast I'm like what the fuck when i was a teenager like early teens i would watch uh, a decent amount of reality tv with my mom and i remember we were watching the amazing race and he was on there and, we, and i just went holy fuck it's ned schneebly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he, he introduced himself as the writer of the movie school of rock so i was like that's Has awesome he anything else um i i'm honestly not sure if he has, I'm unaware of it. Let's see. Oh, he was on Survivor, too. Weird. Writer. Wow. Whoa, shit. He's written a shit ton of TV. Uh, the Emoji Movie. Ooh. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that is... Uh, one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. What's, I'm going to quick... I'm, I'm, I'm at the screen, but what's your quick guess on the Metascore? Of Emoji Movie? Yeah. Uh, my quick guess is gonna let's call it a twenty-eight. Ooh, I was I'm gonna go twenty-one. Okay. Twelve. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's not good. Oh wow, he wrote Nacho Nacho Libre as well, which I haven't seen. I own it, but if you don't like Jack Black, I can't imagine that would be one. Wow, you enjoy. he wrote Orange County. I heard that was good. Um, Ooh, Chuck and Buck. He produced a weird ass movie called Gentleman Broncos. And dead on campus. Yeah. He's actually written quite a few films. Good huh. for him. And oh, he's in Chuck and Buck. That wasn't the movie I was thinking of. Oh yeah, and I fr- I'm just going. I scrolled down to his acting credits. He's he has a like a tiny tiny part in Zombieland, which is a movie I really like, as you know. He does. Yeah, he uh, when Jesse Eisenberg is going through the rules at the very beginning, somebody gets attacked in a bathroom stall. That's him. That's him. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, I would have, I would have liked a little bit more credits on the posters and, and whatever they did because I thought it was really inventive and really great. Uh, I am a fan of Richard Linklater's, um, like I, I like I love Dazed and Confused. I absolutely love Everybody Wants Some. That movie just continues to climb up my list of, of movies I like. Um, his Before trilogy, I've only watched the first one, which is Before Sunset. Before Sunset, Before Sunrise, and Before Midnight? Before Sunrise is 1995. Okay. Before Sunset is 04. And then Before Midnight? Is 13. Okay. Which I totally knew off the top of my head. Before Sunrise, uh, all I'd ever heard was great things. Mm -hmm. And it's completely warranted. That movie's unbelievable. I can't... I keep putting off watching the other two, and I should stop and just do it because the first one's so good, and I heard the trilogy is really great. Uh, Other... um, I haven't seen Boyhood. What are some other... You haven't seen Boyhood, hey? No. I liked it, but didn't get it. Like, I didn't get the hype behind it. Okay. Um, mm. But yeah, Linklater's done 
uh, quite a few movies I like. I don't think I've watched anything that I disliked. So, again, I've I'd already seen this movie at least twice prior to this viewing. Uh, but I couldn't remember exactly everything. So the opening concert where we're introduced uh, to Dewey, mm-hmm. um, it was right here where I realized... Oh no, this is a Jack Black movie. <laughs> yeah. I My recollections were not of him being Jack Black. And as soon as I saw the opening concert, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. I'm like, he, he he's the Jack Black that I don't really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And... I can tell you right now, I completely understood the way his bandmate felt. Yeah. And I mean, that's part, for me, that's part of the arc as well, right? Is him, I mean, the movie has a pretty basic character arc for Dewey Finn, just him becoming a little more selfless, a little more band oriented rather than a little more himself oriented. And yeah, watching the movie as a viewer, I think you're supposed to feel like that. I think you're supposed to feel like, yeah, these, this, these guys are right to kick him out. Yeah. I do like that because a lot of times they'll make the band come across as dicks. Yeah. The one thing I really enjoyed with Jack Black's performance and Linklater's direction is that they don't ever try to make you sympathetic with Dewey. Mm -hmm. And it was this choice that made it really hard for me to fully get on board because well, we're already in spoilers. He doesn't even really get much of a redemption. His even at the end when he's supposedly all for the kids, mm-hmm. they let him off the hook. Oh, big time. That scene on the bus where he's apologizing, the kids cut him off to yeah. get to the concert and I'm like, he didn't really have to atone for anything. No. And it kind of bothered me. <laughs> That's fine. I get that. I, I can understand if you feel like we're being robbed of a character moment. Yeah. I think, like I was saying before, his whole arc goes from being less about himself to more about the music. So even though he does grow to care for these kids, that scene on the bus, as long as we're there, I I view that as more as he has passed that along to the kids. He's passed the love of the music along to the kids. Their quarrel in that moment does not matter. The show that they're about to play is what matters. Mm-hmm. I'm go back That's that. how I read that. I liked it. I like it. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, the the opening concert. I guess that is a concert, right? Yeah, Every totally. Gig, <laughs> concert, gig, show. Are they all the same thing? Yeah, I think so. Are they? I mean, a concert. I know what your what your hesitation <laughs> is in your mind. A concert is like a big thing. Just a little bit bigger than what that is. Yeah, this is at a bar. Yeah, or something. So that feels like, again, <laughs> semantics. Yeah, semantics. I, I'm not really arguing over it, but I think of concert, I do think of a little bit bigger venue mm-hmm. or a bigger crowd. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like a gig. Yeah, we can, but, we can go gig. Whatever. <laughs> no. I don't really care. I yeah. just, it just really just occurred to me as I was saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they obviously... They, they do a great job immediately setting up the character of Dewey Finn, mm-hmm. and I immediately don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, from the second that you see him, the first thing we see him doing is he's at his amp trying to turn it up, but whoever's running the sound doesn't like has him turned way down. So he's flip, he's gesturing over to the sound guy, going, "Hey, turn this up, turn this." Like all he's concerned about from the very first shot 
that we see him in is like get me louder yeah i like that um so it does it's it sets up the character fine then it cuts to him in his apartment that he shares with Ned Schneebly, which uh, I have to say might be one of my all-time favorite named characters. <laughs> it's so good, right? It's um, it's probably still my second favorite Ned. Second favorite Ned. Yeah. Are we talking uh, Spider-Man Homecoming Ned? I don't oh, even know his last name. Shit, okay, third. <laughs> no, my number one Ned is Ned... Ryerson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Phil? <laughs> Phil Connors? <laughs> Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. <laughs> uh, I fucking love that, Ned Ryerson. That Groundhog Day episode was fun. That was. <laughs> that was. Um, but we do meet Ned, and then we meet um, Sarah Silverman's character, whose character name I can't. Patty. Patty. Um, this is the other person. This is the other part of the movie I have a problem with. This is one of the um, worst written characters, and and, and I, I can't believe she she must have gotten she must have needed money because this character is horrible. Yeah, it it is the stereotypical wet blanket girlfriend. Yeah, Maggie. Yeah. It is, it was painful to watch mm. somebody that I like as much as Sarah Silverman do this role. Are you a big I, Sarah Silverman fan? Her comedy's spectacular. You know, I've never really watched her comedy a ton. I feel like I would like it. I, I like raunchy comedy, which, as far as I know, is her brand. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really gotten into it. Understatement. Yeah. Huh. I, I like it. I always... I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of female comics who can be raunchy without being too, too much like a guy in it. Yeah. Like, they speak... They speak their own truth mm-hmm. and are open and honest about about their comedy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I like, oh, why can't I remember her name? I'll look it up after when uh, when I have a free moment. I'll, I'll I'll do it. But yeah, I I can't stand this character and the way that she's portrayed. I think it's a complete stereotype and a complete waste of talent. Of Sarah Silverman. That's an entirely fair criticism. I have no rebuttal for that. It's never really bothered me that much. Again, because I watched this movie when I was seven years old or six years old, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I, I can I can see that being a problem. Luckily for us, she's not in the movie a ton. She probably no. has like two or three scenes, I would want to say. Um, but yeah, this character exists solely to nag Ned and so that uh, Dewey and... Ne- Dewey and Ned have a little bit of tension over Patty, and that's this character's sole reason for existence in this movie. Just because I had, it was going to bug me. The other female comic that I really like is Eliza Schlesinger. I know her. Yes, uh, I watched a really bad movie that she did this year. Me too. Yeah, and we talked about it briefly. What was that called again? I can't remember, but it, it's mo. It's bad. I, I think it's like the front runner for my worst film of the year. Unfortunately, it's not. For, I might might be a candidate. Maybe. I I've seen some bad fucking movies you know, this year. I know, we're getting off to- topic. <laughs> while you look up the name, do you know that movie is based on her real life? That, yes, that really happened. Yeah, to her. which is the, honestly one of the best things about it. If she was, and I think we talked about it when we when we both saw it, name of the movie. Good on paper. Good on paper. Thank you. The the bad reviews just write themselves at that point. Yeah. I e not good on paper. No, it's it's <laughs> it was horrible. But she has, <clears throat> she tells the story that the movie's based on. Mm-hmm. 
um, on an episode of Joe Rogan, that is worth listening to. Oh, it's okay, fucking yeah. awesome. That's cool. That movie, avoid at all costs. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, wow. That movie was so bad. I, was... I had erased that movie from my memory, honestly. I may have just forgotten that if we were doing our like year in review list, I may have just forgotten that one if we didn't talk about it right now. I mean, I would have it on my letterbox yeah. list, but I had totally forgotten about it's that movie. It's so bad. Yeah, it's not good. She's in uh, she's in another really bad movie, but she's fucking good in it, mm-hmm. and that's how I found the name. She was in a, a horrible uh, Mark Wahlberg movie called Spencer Confidential. Never saw it. You don't. <laughs> but she's great in it. She's so funny. She like steal. She's in like maybe five six scenes. Steals everyone she's in. Hmm. Yeah. She. <laughs> well, I'm getting a little off topic with Eliza. How much I enjoyed her. She plays the comedic like. The over, almost the over-the-top comedic version of Blake Levy's character from The Town. Oh yeah, so like super like trashy, and- <laughs> super trashy, thick Boston act. Like she, it's in Boston, like oh, yeah. super Boston accent, yeah. super clingy girlfriend. Yeah, it's and Blake Lively's so good in that movie though. She is so good in that movie. I uh, I have a little watch pile on my DVD player at home or my Blu-ray player, and uh, The Town is right in there. It's always in there because it's The Town. Fuck yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I. And I fucking forgot her fucking character's name again. Patty. Patty. Yeah. Um, horrible character. Sure. That's that's part one of the thing I dislike the most. It's mm-hmm. not this. This is number two. The other thing I dislike the most. You know what it is, and we'll get there when we get there. I'm not sure if I do. I'm. Sure, I think I, I have a suspicion. I know what it's it is. what aged horribly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It stands <laughs> out, and I was like, not good. Okay. Not cool. Not good. <laughs> horrible. Um, he gets kicked out of the band. Spider was amusing. I, I like Spider. This is what I, he only is in about two scenes, or he has speaking roles in two scenes. And both of them, I think, are hilarious, even though I'm pretty sure he only says, sup, in the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Just such a tool. Who I plays Spider? I'm not sure. Lucas Babin. Lucas, Lucas, have you done anything else that I know I of? hope so. If he has, you got to let me know. Oh, he's on The Young and the Restless. Eh, pass. <gasps> he was in Brick. Oh. What's Brick. Brick is a movie that is high on my uh, Manny Movie Club list. If I get to see another Lucas Babin movie, I won't be mad about it. I wonder where I wonder if Brick is on anything. Uh, but Brick is a Ryan Johnson film. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's. I think I've I mentioned it before, but what Brick is? It is a. Um, uh, it's like a crime noir film, set in high school. Oh, cool. But they talk like old film noirs. And is it is it like a comedy? No. Oh, okay. No. Interesting. It, it is, but it's not. Hmm. It's it's literally like watching... I, I don't think you've seen it, but it's literally like watching the Maltese Falcon set in modern-day high school. Okay. So the characters are modern, but they talk like the 1930s. Hmm. That really quick rat-a-tat-tat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fun fact about Lucas Babin, he's currently serving as the district attorney in Tyler County, Texas. What? <laughs> yeah. That is fucking spider? He, he hasn't been in anything since 2012. With and... his sex tattoo? Yeah, man. <laughs> he is the DA of Tyler County, Texas. Good for him. Is went to awesome. Went to University of Houston Law School. Fucking A, man. Fucking A, spider. <laughs> uh, kicked out of the band... It's the right thing for that band. Yep. By far. Um, then the phone call comes. 
for the substitute position mm-hmm. at I can't remember uh, Horace Green. Horace Green, thank you. <laughs> Again, my pause and my breath aren't for the premise mm-hmm. and how like ludicrous it would that he could pull this off. What it is is his level of selfishness hurts oh, me. Oh yeah. Like he, for him This is not a likable thing that he For he's him doing. to do this is such a douchebag. To his buddy. Yes. And I mean, to bring it back to Sarah Silverman for a little bit, she super has a point when she chews him out at the end of the movie. Yeah. She's like, you know what, it's one thing for you to like act this selfishly, like to yourself. It's one thing to do that, but to endanger Ned's career over it mm-hmm. is the worst thing. And the fact that he doesn't even see that at first is, yeah, super unlikable. I don't even think he sees it at the end because I don't recall him apologizing to Ned at all. Yeah. And the worst part, Ned being the pushover. It winds up joining his program at the end. Yes. Yeah. And going to the concert. Yeah. And it's fine with no apology. Uh huh. Again, those are they're not com- they're not complaints about the fi- those are not, I, I just want to point out those are not complaints. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that's fucking stupid. It's just like it's just an observation yeah. that hurts my heart. Yeah. That this character is allowed to do these things and faces no consequence yes. in particular from Ned. Yes. Like there's a chance that we may have seen that we may just not have seen some off-screen consequences with with the school or something. Uh but yeah, the fact that he and Ned are still working together after all that is wild. Yes, totally. <laughs> and again, I, I'm only pointing it out as like, it it bothers me that this selfish character doesn't face any repercussions. But I'm not counting that as something against the film. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. It's yeah. not a it's not a nitpick because our suspension of disbelief has already been it's yeah. ar- it's already it's already gone right it's just or like, it's already present. Whatever you want to say, we already have our. Uh, disbelief suspended. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, know, it, you know what I'm saying. It's not that. Uh, like, I, I'm, I'm not pointing these out because I dislike this film. I'm just pointing them out because I'm like this. It's fucker. amusing. <laughs> it's amusing and frustrating at the same time. Yeah. But not again. Not a frustration where it's making me not enjoy the movie. No, I get, you. I get what you're saying. Cool. Uh. So he <laughs> he gets into the school and he's left alone with the kids. Yep. And he is uh, hungover. <laughs> this is one of my favorite exchanges of the entire movie. All right. I have a hangover. You can tell me what that means. It means you're drunk. Wrong. It means I was drunk yesterday. <laughs> it's here where it's at this point because it's this scene here with, with the kids, the first time he meets the kids, where you have to you have to buy in not even buy in are you in or out on Jack Black yeah that's good and I was out I am so in man (laughs) (laughs) I can't even tell you how in I am (laughs) I love that you are it honestly makes me talking about this movie seeing the joy on your face for those that can't obviously everyone else can't see it and the excitement in your voice I am beaming yes the excitement in your voice is making me enjoy this movie more than I did. <laughs> That's I fine. won't lie. That's great. I won't lie. Um, why don't you tell us more about the hangover scene? Yeah, so um, actually I want like to uh, somewhat take the joy out of my voice for a second. I, I do want to draw attention to, I want to find the actor's name real quick, uh, Kevin Clark. 
is uh, Freddie Jones. I'm not yes. sure if you're aware, Manny, or if this came up in your research, but Kevin Clark actually died yep. uh, earlier this year. Yep. And it, uh, it made the rounds on uh, social media. Uh, a lot of people that I know posted about it on social media because this was a, a, a formative movie for both myself and a couple of my friends. Um, so I wanted to draw attention. I think uh, uh, Freddie Jones, a.k.a. Spazzy McGee, is one of my favorites, at least at least as far as the kids are concerned. And I mean, come on, I became a drummer because of this movie. Like, so. well, he's, well, he's the drummer. <laughs> yeah, literally, right? So, um, yeah, I think he's hilarious. And him chewing out uh, Dewey, he's like, "Man, you wouldn't come to work unless you have, you wouldn't come to work hungover unless you're an alcoholic. Man, you got a disease." <laughs> I think he might be my favorite child. It's worth noting, I think he was all summer. He was also the oldest at the time, which is funny because Summer is another one of the great kids. I think she was the youngest of the cast members at this time. She went on to actually have a career. Oh yeah, I, I know Miranda Cosgrove. Like, Do you? Uh, she was. I want to say it's like if it's not Disney, it's like Family Channel or like she was on a couple of kids TV shows. Um, she was famous again from kids my generation. Uh, a lot of them grew up with her on this show called iCarly. Okay. Uh, it was a really popular kids show at the time I was a kid. Okay. Um, she also before School of Rock was on another kids show called Drake and Josh. Um, I don't know if you know either of um, Drake Bell or Josh Peck, but uh, they were they were also like Disney Channel stars at the time. I recognize that show name. Yeah. But Drake or Josh would walk through that door. I would. Yeah. Know who they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miranda Cosgrove was uh, their little sister gotcha. in, in that show. So I knew her as Megan from that show. And then I saw her in School of Rock after. Okay. And then she got, I think, iCarly after that. So she had she had a pretty successful career as a child star. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, as I understand it, she got into singing. And like she's a quite accomplished singer. But I, I don't know anything she's done really since those. Fair enough. Yeah. Next day. He comes in. I, I'm I'm only assuming it's the second day because it's the next scene. They don't state that it's the very next day, but I'm mm -hmm. just using that as as a reference. Yeah. Um, they have the discussion about the man. Oh, I love I love this scene. I don't know if you do, but I uh, th this discussion about the man uh, is such a big part about what this movie's about. It's about sticking it to the man. Yep, man. Isn't that that's what rock and roll is about? Yeah, rock and roll is about sticking it to the man. <laughs> and his, uh, I don't have the quote in front of me right this second. I think I have it in my quotes at the end. Well, let me see if I can find this thing. Okay. Um, yeah, this big long, big long rant. Uh, he's like, "Oh, you want me to teach you something? Give up, just quit." Because in life, you can't win, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the world is run by the man. Oh, you don't know the man? He's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins, she's the man. <laughs> Just that entire rant, for me, gold. Gold. For me? Not for you? Not not even a podium. Ah, boo. How <laughs> <laughs> ah, what do you know? But I'm <laughs> As you and I established earlier, not as much as I thought. That's true, yeah, not not compared to Buddy. <laughs> we we won't uh, we won't go into any further into that and out you for the No, definitely not. Manny's having some uh, some issues with someone who may know more about him uh, when it comes to movies. <laughs> but probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um I do have a note in here. <laughs> My note is it's still hard for me to root for Dewey. Yeah. I'm still not at the point in my notes where I can root for him. Spoiler alert, I 
don't ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever. Really just comes down to both the unlikability of the character of Dewey Finn and for you, the unlikability of Jack Black. Or maybe unlikability for him is no, strong. But. No, no, that that's that. No, that's fair. Mm. It's not. It's not my feelings f- for about Jack Black don't play in here. Mm. It's the character of Dewey Finn, and as soon as I kind of started my little rant here, uh, it's easily apparent why, because as you know and longtime listeners know, my affection for male bonding. Deep friendship mm-hmm. means a lot. And he's, he's fucking over his friend. He is one of the all-time worst friends on film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for him to do that, I, I just, it's almost unforgivable. Especially when there is... I don't even want a comeuppance, but... Just some form of consequences? A, a consequence and, like, an apology. Like something to say sorry to Ned Mm -hmm. never comes probably occurred off screen because they they open up the school at the end I don't want to say spoilers because we're in spoilers but so something obviously must have occurred off screen or Ned is seriously just enjoying being a human rug and allows people to walk over (laughs) constantly but um yeah, I, I just want to – I'm probably, for the rest of this episode, going to shit on Dewey when I can because I just can't get over what he does. And it's not it's not even just Ned because because of what he does, it's – what's fucking uh, shit? Uh, Miss Mullins. Hmm. Almost costs her her fucking career as well. Yep. It's we uh, one of the things that I love. Not sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I love the stress that Joan Cusack is able to uh, portray in the movie. Oh, she's she so is good at it. she is like this fucking close to a mental breakdown for the entire movie. She is right there, and you can feel it. And yeah, he like basically costs her her sanity and her reputation in this movie. I well, we're here because we've 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 met Miss Mullins. Yep. It is in moments like this where I forget, I always forget what an incredible talent Joan Cusack is. I constantly forget, and I keep not underestimating her. I keep forgetting her. When I talk about great actresses and, and especially great comedic actresses, and then I'll watch a movie where she's in it, and I'm like, She's a fucking genius. She is genius. She has done so many incredible movies in tiny parts or in big parts. I am just a huge fan of Joan Cusack. Yeah, I'm trying to see what else I really know her from. Like, obviously, I know who Joan Cusack is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm mostly familiar with her from both this and the Toy Story movies. Yep. Um, let's see what else I even have on here. I mean, you talked about High Fidelity earlier, but I haven't seen that, but yeah. she's in that. She's, she, minor role in that. She has a really minor role in another movie that's a lot of fun called Gross Point Blank. She has a really great role as a, a friend in an 80s film that's really good called Working Girl. She was Oscar nominated for her role in in and out with Kevin Klein, another great film. She has a small role in a movie you've seen, um, 
say anything. Yeah, I just came across that one. Uh, other films, let's see if I can quickly find, quickly look through here as well. Uh, other movies that she's done where I really like her. High Fidelity. Runaway Bride, she's really good in Runaway Bride. Oh, my back. <laughs> um, let's see here. I'll ju- I guess I'll just kind of stop there. Yeah, Married to the Mob. Oh, right, Podcast News. She's just, every time she's in something, she just makes it better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And obviously, she is great as Jesse. Mm-hmm. Right? And Obviously love her as Jesse in yeah. those movies. Yeah, I, looking through her filmography, Manny, I don't think I have a ton of experience with Joan Cusack, even though obviously I know who she is mm-hmm. um but yeah mostly from this movie the toy story movies say anything i've only seen once but i really enjoyed it when yeah. i watched that on your recommendation um other than that i mean a voice role in chicken little that i saw when i was a kid <laughs> i don't know what else really i have and uh, I've, i did see a couple seasons of shameless which she had a record, recurring role in mm. so yeah i'm a big fan of of joan cusack and yeah she is great at playing someone that is on the edge of a breakdown and just again so fucking uptight yeah in this movie maybe that's a recurring pattern with the with the women characters in this movie although we can't really say because there's only really two (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh principal mullins i've always loved just so uptight and dorky and just so not cool um since we are in the spoiler section i'm glad that they don't wind up together in this movie apparently in the original script they were supposed to wind up together they do go on a date in the movie kind of or i guess a couple of dates technically um because she asks him to uh oh, right. to parents night um but yeah she is such a loser <laughs> and uh i think it's uh it really comes down to joan cusack's performance I, I i really like her in this movie perfect dewey overhears music class and then his selfishness takes over and realizes that he can form a band. Yeah. He's like, ooh, I can exploit this. So he forms the band. Uh, by the way, you know all these kids play those instruments, right? Like, Yep. Uh, you can you can really tell uh, when there's a focus on Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach and I think Lawrence both have like pretty extensive um, single shots on them where they're where they get to show their chops. The the kids being able to actually play the instruments and sing the music was a promotional aspect of this film when it was released. Mm. Like it was, it was pretty well known. Yeah. I see. Assigning roles when he gets them back in the class, you know, he picks Zach to yeah. be the guitarist. And stuff I like really that. like this scene of him. Or are you talking about the first scene where they, they jam, uh, I think, Smoke on the Water, where he's just like pulling them all up yes. and telling them to play? I see. Okay. That scene is really great. And uh, I, I've always loved, um, I mean, Jack Black does this scatting thing in like every movie he's ever been in. If you're into Jack Black, it probably does it for you, i.e. me. If you're not, it probably doesn't, i.e. you. Uh, yeah, somewhat. But he does like he does it with Tenacious D in mm-hmm. his music. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I it, am a fan of Tenacious oh, D, Oh, cool. By the way. So, yeah, like if, if you're a fan, you probably know the song Tribute. Uh, yeah. There's like a massive scat solo in the middle of it. And it's just like this is... If you're willing to just have a, <laughs> a silly good time with, with some music, it, it does it for me. 
So yeah, this is where they form the band. The assigning roles is where you're talking about where they're lined up on they're the wall. They're lined up, and he's like pointing to everyone, giving nicknames. Apparently, all of which Jack Black came up with himself, yeah. which makes total sense because it's all within his sense of humor. Yeah. And, and then, is is this where we get to uh, the thing that didn't age well? Yeah, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is rough. Yeah. This is r- rough. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe it's how this kid actually talks. We don't know this. Or do we? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I have no idea. But yeah, it's pretty over the top. Band stylist. Brian Faldudo. What do we think? Well, he's he's been in three things. This, a short called uh, Dosed, which came out last year in 2020. Okay. And he's, uh, he's in a movie called Fishing, the series, which is in pre-production playing a character named Benji so Hmm. that's it that's all he's been in and um, yeah it was it it was rough it was it was it was it was rough yeah he said I'm just I pulled up an article from USA Today just now and it's titled Brian Faldudo says he became homophobic towards himself after School of Rock Roll uh, Faldudo wrote that playing Billy led him to being called quote the gay kid from School of Rock end quote and uh, it, the movie or the label gave him feelings of denial about his own sexuality so and he is gay? apparently uh, year, it says years later during his senior year of college he came out really? yeah alright so this pl- <sighs> this plays up into all the stereotypes that you see of gay characters yeah and in 2004? Three. Three. 2003, this was fine. Oh, yeah. Well, movies of this era, let's call it like 95 to 2010 even, or some trickling past that. Just the gay joke definitely had its heyday. The, like, not sure what to do in a scene. You have two guys who are making fun of each other. Have one call the other gay. It's just like foolproof comedy in this, the year 2003. Yeah. Um, this doesn't quite fit into that description, but it's the same... Sort, it's a related phenomenon. It's just, you know, yeah. gay people being the butt of the joke. It's it, it was it was hard it was hard to watch. Yeah, and I think it was hard to watch because it was a kid. Mm-hmm. I think that's what if if this had been set, honestly, if this had been set in high school, it wouldn't have bothered me mm-hmm. to be to be honest. But it's because the kid's so young, it just yeah, he's like it, nine or ten. It just ru- it just rubbed me the wrong way. No, I can totally get that. Yeah, again, well, I can tell you right now. That, that right there is my biggest complaint about the movie. Mm-hmm. Actual complaint about the movie. Yes, I shit on Dewey the character, but that's because he's a shitty character. <laughs> he, he's not a shitty character. He's a shitty person. Yeah. I don't want to say character because yeah. then that makes it sound like I'm complaining about the movie. I'm not. I'm complaining about like, the character. He's I'm, a bad person and a, a bad friend. He's a bad person and a bad friend, and I don't like bad friends. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Billy is a bad character. As I've gotten older, and I do revisit this movie regularly, yeah. like probably minimum once a year I watch this movie. Uh, As I've gotten older and I've had more people in the gay community that I've become close with, this has bothered me more. Yeah. This this absolutely stands out to me. Um, Luckily, in my opinion, it's still... Like, I don't want to minimize what we were just saying about... I'm sorry, I don't have the actor's name in front of me anymore. Brian Faldudo. Brian Faldudo. I don't want to minimize what he just said. It sounds like a horrible experience that he went through. I, I would just say that, thankfully, there's not a ton of scenes with him in the movie yep. where it can really become over the top. But, you know, having having him literally read the line, 
it's glitter and it's glam and it's fabulous is just, it's a little much. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, well, I wanted to point it out because it, it, it is my biggest complaint about the movie. Mm-hmm. I have, it, I have no defense of it. And I usually, when I say things like that, it's just a difference of opinion, but it's not a difference of opinion. Like I agree with you. It yeah. is, it's not really defensible. No, but it's not a big enough part of the movie for it to derail my enjoyment of it. Same. So, but I couldn't let it not. If this movie was remade today, Billy either gets cut as a character or probably gets recontextualized and, you know, is a little more empowered. He'll if if this movie was made today, um you know the scene between Dewey and Tamika, um where he which one the one where he talks to her right before the show and she doesn't want to go on oh, she doesn't want to go on bill if yeah. this movie was made today billy would get one of those scenes i think yes yeah yeah hmm. uh anything else you want to talk about the assigning roles um i think most of the nicknames are pretty funny and pretty dead on yep um turkey sub <laughs> is uh, it's kind of a ridiculous nickname. I don't know. I, I like this scene. Um, and I think it's... No, I'm trying to think of if this is here. I don't think it is here where he uh, performs his song. But that's probably coming up soon, at least. Uh, what, Where do I have that? No, it's it's after... It's it's shortly after this. Because next up, we have uh, Lawrence at lunch. Oh, yeah. You know what? I actually do want to talk about this scene. I think this is a really fun scene. Um, this always get this scene always gets cut in the TV run of this movie. If they want to keep it to a neat two hours with commercials, this is one of the scenes that gets cut. Apparently, the one at, with Lawrence at lunch. Because I remember this scene not showing up in a couple of my watches of this movie. I think I think they, you're looking yeah. for alternate versions right now. No, I'm not. Right. I'm looking for the runtime. Yeah, I, they, yeah, they'd have to cut about ten. 10 to 12 minutes of the one hour, 49 minute mm-hmm. runtime to get it to fit within a yeah. two hour TV slot. So there's two more references to this scene in the movie. So it always bothers me when it got cut because then he's just making reference. Like when he, when he gives Lawrence the nickname, Mr. Cool in the very next scene, it doesn't make any sense because yeah. we haven't seen this scene. Um, again, if we're talking quotable lines, shoot it, kaboot it gets uh gets thrown back and forth between my brother and i if we're doing like a like a handshake or a a high five or something like that shoot it kaboot it is usually (laughs) is usually thrown out there um apparently um this came up in my research anyway Uh, apparently this is based on a real interaction apparently the actor i think his name is robert sai yep who plays lawrence uh went to richard linklater and expressed concern over his role he's like this is a movie about rock and rollers and i'm not cool (laughs) Apparently, it was just used in the movie. Yep. Summer becomes the band manager after she has researched what groupies are. <laughs> Summer is... I know you said she's one of your favorite characters, too. She's one of mine. Actually, she would probably be my favorite character. Yeah, it's really no surprise that she went on to have a pretty successful career after this, she's especially as a child re- star. She's really good. Yeah. Yeah. That... Uh, um, Apparently, Richard Linklater taught her how to do that little scrunch face when when Dewey's pulling in and she's just leaning against a tree doing a little, like, I think it's called, like, a screw face or something like that, or lips off to the side. You want me to be a groupie? They're sluts. They sleep with the band. (laughs) (laughs) She's really funny. And I think we all knew a Summer Hathaway. Like, we all kind of knew someone who was, like, 
destined to be someone very powerful and very controlling. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think the character of Summer's great. Yeah. And Dewey says later in the movies, like, Summer could run for president later this year and I'd vote for her. Like, yeah, she gets shit done. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Summer. Um, it's here that Dewey sings his song. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. There are so many covers of this song from bands that grew up watching this movie. No, I have no uh, idea. This song gets covered. I, I, I shouldn't say so much, but it, there are covers of this song out there in the ether on Spotify from you know people who grew up watching this movie, who grew up to be musicians. Both this and uh, Teacher's Pet have uh, have their fair share of covers. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this this is more Jack Black shtick. I think this is mostly done in a single take, right? I think this is... I wasn't paying attention. I think, I mean, it's not like a flashy, like, wow, I can't believe they got that in one take, but I'm pretty sure it's just set the camera on a tripod and let Jack Black do his thing. And again, if it does it for you, power to you. <laughs> I love the... Uh, the Legend of the Rent song. Big fan. Big fan? <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Not so much. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, the, oh, uh, I think... I'm trying to I'm trying to see... Um... Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to point out... I kind of alluded to it in the non-spoiler section. Yeah. But uh, when... After he lines them up against the chalkboard, this is what I wanted to say. He When he says himself, he's like, personally, I will be on lead vocal and shredding guitar. And he does the signature Jack Black leg kick. Yeah, it gets quoted all the time. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, I, I'll also say, I work in a music store, and there are parts, people my age in particular will quote this movie with me. That's one of the most common one. If, if we pick up a guitar, shredding guitar. Interesting. <laughs> yeah interesting how you pick up things from movies that just resonate with you and stick with you mm -hmm. and then stick with people within your generation i wish i could think of one from like the 80s that i feel that i i could do the same thing with like yeah. if, so, if so if if someone had said if someone says that to me mm -hmm. like the shredding thing mm -hmm. i'd be like i don't know what you're talking about yeah i would have no, <laughs> no fucking clue yeah. For those of you that don't know, I'm 21 years older than Sam. Is that correct? Are you 70, 75? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Now, 1975, not 75 <laughs> years old. <laughs> not there yet. Really yeah. Man. Oh, 75. my God. Your skin is incredible. I look fantastic <laughs> for a 75-year-old man. Mm. My body feels like a 75-year-old man right now. Yeah. Uh, he gives out music homework. Mm-hmm. A number of these albums have become some of my favorite ever. The one that he hands to Freddie. I uh, knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a uh, Rush Twenty One Twelve. You probably picked up on it. When, oh, like yes. immediately. He's like Neil. He, he says Neil Pert. It's actually Peart, but uh, <laughs> it's like Neil Pert, one of the great drummers of all time. Uh, on and he hands him Twenty One Twelve. That is one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, he also hands Lawrence. Yes, that's the name of the band. <laughs> another one that gets quoted anytime the band yes comes up i'll always say uh this is yes that's the name of the band that's what dewey says in this scene listen to the keyboard solo on roundabout it'll blow the classical music out your butt <laughs> <laughs> oh i love how much you love this movie fantastic um 
he's still too selfish for me at this point. <laughs> it's one of my notes, him giving out this music homework. Um, I'm putting, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I know that they are trying to get across, especially at the end, that Dewey has instilled a, a much deeper appreci- appreciation and love for music and rock mm-hmm. because of what he's done. That wasn't sinking in with me on my viewing. And so him doing all this is just, for me, is just coming across as incredibly selfish it's also occurred to me just right this second that one of the reasons this movie has aged so well as far as my enjoyment of it it's it probably has something to do with the fact that i mean obviously we talked about my love for rock and mm-hmm. love for playing drums but i have mentioned many times on the show i have a music teacher who super inspired me when i was around this age yep. i had a music teacher who uh who inspired me to go further with music uh, mr powery uh and it probably has something to do with the fact that um, while Dewey Finn is nowhere close to as good a teacher as that, <laughs> I probably find a little bit of, I don't know, I probably just relate to it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, the love of music. Yeah. Which, that's the one trait that Dewey, his love of music is something to be admired because his love and obsession with music rivals my love and obsession of film. Totally. Right. If I screwed over T Bone's teaching job, yeah. took over his teaching job and turned his math class into into movie, a movie podcast, into a, into a movie appreciation class, yeah. I'd be doing the same thing. Yeah. So maybe I'm seeing shades of myself. Oh my god! It. I think we just wrote a movie. Holy fuck! Holy shit! School of Rock, both both film. Just call it Film School. Easy. <laughs> I'd watch that. Uh it's here where we also get introduced to uh, Tamika singing. Mm-hmm. Delightful voice. She is a phenomenal singer. Yeah. Um, I really like this scene as well. I like both of Tamika's main scenes in this movie, both this one and uh, the one that we'll talk to, talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. uh, before the show. But um, I don't know if this actress uh, is actually that shy. But she plays it really well, even if she isn't. Like she's really shy about coming to uh, Dewey and asking for uh, a singing role. Let's see. She never did anything else, hmm. at least acting wise. She has done some composing. Cool. She, she did. Com- she composed some documentary I've never heard of, Las Cubarias. Nice. And then. Uh, yeah, she was a musical guest for Jay Leno the same year this movie came out. And then, yeah. But uh, she grew up to be a very beautiful woman. That's her this year. Nice. Yeah. Good for you, Tamika. Yeah. <laughs> Whose real name is Miriam. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Ooh. laughs> Uh, Manny, we got a podcast to record here. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Her acting, not the greatest, but not enough to pull me out. No. She's just a a little wooden, but, you know, you can't hit a home run with every kid. Yeah. Not everyone can be Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, right. Or Miranda Cosgrove, I guess, in this case. True. Mm. Um, Rock Lessons. 
good scene here. Are you talking about the like the montage? Nope. Mm. We're before the, right before the montage. Mm. This is the angry song. Oh yeah. Um, I like the setup for this scene. Um, in the homework scene, uh, when uh, <clears throat> when he gives Zach his homework, he gives him Jimi Hendrix, and he says, "Dude, are you pumped about the new assignment?" And Zach is just like totally not excited about it. No, nope. he's he's super bummed out and he is kind of really perplexed he realizes there's something not quite right and the next day in the parking lot he watches zach get chewed the fuck out by his dad Mm -hmm. saying like hey like any saying all this rock and roll stuff that's gonna stop right now like you're only gonna listen to the stuff you're assigned by your music teacher like all this rock and roll stuff's got to stop and he chews him the fuck out and he sees zach a little down yep in this scene and i think with that context, this scene where they, they sing the song about bullies works really well for me. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Uh, this is fun. It's a fun scene. It's a mm-hmm. fun song. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the montage. Yes. Where he's teaching each person individually. They have uh, music theory. He has that, it looks like a flow chart or something. Yeah, I can't remember what you even call that. I don't know. I'm told you can get posters with that. I'm going to look into that Mm. because that's super cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like a little family tree of like different genres of rock. I'm always a fan of montages. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of montages. So the montage, it's fun. By that metric, Rocky IV is the greatest movie of all time. But obviously only one person in the world thinks that. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I was going to say the same thing. Shout out to T-Bone. Shout out to T-Bone. <laughs> and by shout out, we mean go fuck yourself. Is, uh, real talk, do you know where Rocky Four is on his list? If you give me a moment, I'll, I'll, I'll give it for you. Yeah, he submitted a top 20 to you? He submitted a top 20, but it's 10 years old. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit, so right for those who don't know, I mean, uh, past and future guest on the show, T-Bone, is a big fan of the movie Rocky IV, which I don't enjoy. Uh, there's about four different training montages in that movie to drive home the point that Ivan Drago is a Soviet and he was built in a lab, but Rocky's an American and he's strong because he works with his hands and he's a man and he trains with tires. <laughs> where Ivan Drago just gets steroids injected into him. It's, it's a ridiculous movie. Okay, so T-Bone made the list roughly around 2009, Okay, give or take, roughly. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Rocky Four sits in his top 20? I would I would hope low, but I'm going to I'm going to guess like 4th. 5th. 5th. 5th favorite movie of all time. Yeah. At that point. At that point. He has not resubmitted despite my my asking for it. Hmm. Interesting. Do you know what his number two is? Uh, I don't think I do. You do. You've seen it. It's because it's the movie he first requested for our movie club. I can't remember which Was it Life is a House? Was that him? Yeah. That's his second favorite movie of all time. It's number two. I'm less inclined to shit on that one because that very much is like a personal connection even though I, I super don't like that movie. <laughs> um, Hayden Christensen giving only a marginally better performance than uh, Attack of the Clones in that movie. Um, so, like, I get it, at least. Rocky IV, I just don't, I just don't understand. What? I don't understand it. What was the last movie club movie? Was it yours? Yes. Yes, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That's no, that doesn't sniff my top 20. No, 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 no. It's, I don't know. Did you see T-Bone's write-up about it? Because your write-up was really good, mm-hmm. talking about how you that movie came into your into your life at the right time. Yeah, T Bone talks about 
why he enjoys yes, life as a house. I did see that, I and that's like, why, like, I even though I don't like that movie, I can't shit on that pick because, yeah. like, it's a, it's a super personal connection. Yeah, I found him at the right time. I didn't know that. Yeah, he like, should have brought that up when he uh, when he submitted the life as yeah. a house pick. <laughs> I'm I'm not surprised that he didn't because that movie did not get reviewed well in our group. (laughs) Did I tell you when he was telling me about how hurt he was when everyone was giving their ratings? Oh no, T-Bone! He was so hurt. He's he's like he's like I was so mad when everyone was giving their ratings. He's like, what the fuck? He's like he's like I was so upset. (laughs) T-Bone. Ah, uh, now I feel bad. Actually, I was laughing I'm in- so hard. I'm inclined to send him a message. I feel bad. Like, I mean, he kind of gets shat on sometimes at the show, but I have like uh, T Bone has been nothing but nice to me since we've known each other. T Bone is nothing but nice to everybody yeah. until you get into his circle of friends. Yeah, and then you know he's your friend, and he can- yeah, then he's a fucking <laughs> asshole. I've never hated and loved somebody so much as I do that man. <laughs> Uh, shout out to T-Bone. Yeah. Shout out to Life is a House. He sent me a message after his fucking latest pick in the draft, too. What was his latest pick? X-Men in the draft? First Class. Oh, yeah. So we're doing this draft thing off air. Pe- again, peeking behind the curtain. We're, we're choosing the top 30 movies of the 20 teens. Yeah. Just one by one, each person gets a pick, and uh, T-Bone's pick was X-Men First Class. At 21. The 21st best movie of that decade is X-Men First Class. I didn't really elaborate on that. With that, with me deciding not to veto that, but I just knew he would pick it at a higher number, so it, I can't veto it. After his first two picks were so delightful, yeah, the ones that got vetoed to get higher. Anyways, yeah, he sent me a message. He's like, "Did you like that?" I was like, "Sure, no, <laughs> I sure fucking did." I like that movie, X Men First Class, perfectly reasonable movie, but twenty first best of the, of the decade. I I'll keep pass. forgetting how much he likes that movie. Like yeah. he fucking loves that movie. Yeah, I was actually so mad about it. I went into 2011 to see if it would be my top 20 of that year oh wow and it was yeah i bet it was <laughs> it was that would absolutely be in my top 10 of that year it was not yeah really? it, it would might it might be it could it could be it could possibly be as high as eight possibly mm. but that was me just quickly looking through every movie from there and counting i'm like i like that one better i like that one better i like that one better and then I was like, because I was so mad that he put it on there, I was like, am I hating on this movie more because he put it on the fucking list? Anyways, okay. Shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> they go to the audition for the Battle of the Bands, which Dewey has lied to them about it being... I can't remember what it was. You must know. Uh, well, I think he tells them it's an audition or... Uh... Or, or no, it, it well, it is an audition for uh, the Battle of the Bands, but um, when they don't get the chance to play it first, Summer says, "Well, whatever. This is just a warm-up gig. We'll still be able to compete against the other schools next quarter." That's right. And he's like, "What are you talking about, Summer? This was the gig. This was our Woodstock." I think that's verbatim the dialogue from the movie. Um, and then Summer comes up with a great idea. Yes, which the- I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go. Which I love that it's her that comes up with this idea. Mm-hmm just a good character thing band manager baby yep <laughs> which they have a uh, terminal disease it's, it's fatal yeah it's, uh, stick to the man neosis yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're terminal every last one of them <laughs> rare blood disease um oh where is it here sorry i just want to quickly find it because i Who's Razor? Uh, he must be... Is Razor one of the guys that... I think he must be one of the guys that Freddy goes to their van. Okay. I assume. Because he's an actor named Nicky Cat that I... 
No, that's not who I'm thinking of. Yeah, it is. Because I saw Nikki Cat's... Yeah, it is Nikki Cat is an actor I know. Oh, okay. And I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, I didn't see him, and it really bugged me. Um, but now I know who he is. But I still didn't catch him. Shit, why can't I find this actor? Oh, oh, because he's uncredited. Uh, Frank Whaley as the Battle of the Bands director. Yes, uh, it has taken me until literally this second to make this connection. I was watching this movie uh, this time around and was like, God, like this director, I know him from somewhere. This Battle of the Bands director, I know him from somewhere. And I wrote it off. I was like, well, obviously I know him from somewhere. I've seen this movie a thousand times. Like where I recognize him from is here. It's not here. He's Brett. <laughs> yep. Check out the big brain on Brett. That's yep. right. The metric you're system. You're a smart motherfucker. You're a smart motherfucker. <laughs> For those that don't get that reference, that's Pulp Fiction. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Objectively, uh, a far better movie than this one. Yeah. For me, like, this is, this is the way. The, the funny thing is, I, I've mentioned this before. Frank Whaley. While he is in my favorite movie of all time, Pulp Fiction, as Brett, it's still, every time I see him, it's not who I think of him as. Hmm. And the funny thing is, I can't name his character's name from the movie I think of it as, but it's Career Opportunities, which I've talked about before because Jennifer Connelly is in that movie, very young, and obviously smoking hot. And every time I see Frank Whaley, I think of that movie. Why can't I see... Oh, there it is. Uh, Jim Dodge. Is Frank char- Frank Whaley's uh, character on Career Opportunities. Jim Dodge? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That movie, I have I haven't seen it since it came out. Hmm. And there's only one scene I'm thinking of. Well, I will uh, research it later. And everybody that has seen that <laughs> movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm especially speaking to past and future guest Charles right now. Because he Charles? knows exactly what i'm talking <laughs> really about. yeah anyways enough of me being a misogynistic prick um they finally get the name of the band school of the, rock the the uh the the other two groupies yeah get the name of the band <laughs> school of rock great name mm-hmm. great name and this is where uh, Mullins busts them somehow for the first time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he sings the math song uh, impromptu. Yeah. Not a good scene. Hmm? Not a good scene. Yeah, I quote it. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course do, I do. What do you quote from this scene? I don't know. Just literally oh. anything. Just, uh, you know, six times a billion is six billion. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, get off your ass. Let's do some math. That's just, that gets quoted on occasion. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Wow, I didn't I didn't see anything quotable in there. It but goes deep. I can see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this scene didn't work for me. That's fine. But they needed in there to increase the plausibility that this whole enterprise works because at no point they are literally playing instruments in a band and yet no classroom next to them has ever complained yeah and so this leads into that credibility that they're that they're getting away with it again you want to pull up the strings of plausibility this movie's not going to hold up like a lot of movies aren't going to hold up Mm -hmm. my second favorite movie of all time the biggest part of that movie doesn't hold up if you start pulling the strings of plausibility 
That's Shawshank. Him building that tunnel. Yeah. Nah. Uh. Mm-mm. Nah. Mm-mm. Nah. Not happening. Yeah. So I uh, I also regret to inform you, Manny, that you need to go a little faster than eighty-eight miles per hour to send a DeLorean back in time. Eighty-nine. <laughs> yeah, I think at eighty-nine it begins to happen. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, it's again. I'm not pull. I'm not picking at the movie and stuff like that. Like I said, ever there's there's no movie that is immune yeah. from from this sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, the the math songs didn't. Uh, wasn't wasn't for me. That's fine. Does it for you or it doesn't? Uh, this scene didn't do it for me either. Dewey and uh, Mullins go for a drink. Oh no, you didn't like uh, them having a drink over uh, Stevie Nicks Seventeen. No, no, but I do love that song. Mm-hmm. It's a great song. So does Miss Mullins. Miss Mullins is a great song. Well, Miss Mullins loves the song. I mean, she thinks it's a great song. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, what I do like about this scene is. Joan Cusack especially uh, like well, she thinks they're going for coffee he's trying to get her drunk yeah she he when he gets up to go to the jukebox she grabs the big mug of beer <laughs> and looks around make to see if anybody's looking at her and like sips it, sips it. <laughs> small small physical comedy aspect of yeah it, it is delightful and for me it fits that character in numerous ways with one she's trying to show that she is responsible as the principal of a very prestigious uh, school two she's super nervous being there you can tell because they both stand out because it is some type of rock bar or punk bar yeah three I think she's also fully aware of what happens when she does get drunk. Yeah. And so... Well, because it's already set up at this point in the movie that the other staff members at the school uh, have seen her drunk and saw her do a Stevie Nicks impersonation, right? So it's already set up that things can happen when she gets drunk. Yeah. And I think she's aware, because I have friends and know people that they're aware that if they get drunk... It's going to go off the rails. Oh, yeah. And so they either police themselves and are responsible in their drinking. Or, every once or they in, don't. <laughs> or, or, or every once in a while, <laughs> they open up the chute and the fucking Brahma bull comes out. Mm-hmm. Is that a reference to something? No. Okay. So while her performance in this scene has me delighted, the scene itself I find pretty weak oh that's too bad i mean hey i can't give you a counter argument i love joan cusack's performance Mm -hmm. in the scene in particular um i I also love uh dewey's line they do all the classics beethoven mozart enya (laughs) that line's always gotten a chuckle out of me after that zach has started to relish the idea of rock and roll Mm-hmm. And writes a song. I'm going to assume you like the scene. I do. All right. Tell me why. Well, Zach has written a song. They uh, they they all learn it together. Uh, they do the writing process as a band. They share each other's ideas and build upon them. And a fantastic moment 
in my opinion, in this scene is where Dewey has kind of put the pieces together. He's made a couple edits. He's like, you know what? Instead of rock has no reason, rock has no rhyme. It's rock got no reason, rock got no rhyme. He's like making little edits like that. And then there's one moment where he just points to Zach like to indicate for him to keep going. And the band is just playing the song without him. And the camera lingers on Dewey for a second and he starts smiling and he realizes he has created something bigger than himself. And he has created, he, he has come across a group of musicians who he can inspire, but also look up to. It's just this, this tiny little moment of realization for him. Like, wow, I get to work with these guys and they came up with this and I got to help. That's a cool, and that's a character moment for Dewey. That is a, that is a character growth moment, and I love it. Nice, <laughs> nice. I didn't see that. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't there, mm-hmm. but what it is is from you. You watching this movie as often as you have, and the importance of this film and the themes within it to you. Those are the things that you pick up on. Yep. I didn't see it because I wasn't looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love your recollection of that scene. It's, Thank you. It's clear to me that uh, Dewey knows right from the beginning that Zach has the gift, and he just he wants to be able to foster that. Mm-hmm. And there, there's that previous homework scene where Zach's just like super not enthusiastic about it, and there's the the scene where they write the song "Step Off," where he's trying to he's trying to get Zach to he's pushing Zach to open up a little bit and to let let his hatred for the man flow through him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then this scene is, in my opinion, the culmination of that arc, especially for Zach, where Dewey is beginning to feel like he's making a difference. Yep. I like it. <clears throat> well done. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortable? <laughs> Just before Paranite. He's getting ready to go. Ned finds a check. Now again, this is where another moment where I just don't like Dewey. Because he would not have come clean if this moment hadn't occurred. Yeah. If he didn't get caught, he yep. would have just kept going. Yeah. So he doesn't feel bad about what he's done. He feels bad that he got caught. Yeah. That's a big difference that's true that's very true again i want to state i'm not complaining about the film i just don't like that character and not in a it's a i just not in a bad not in a poorly written way yes but in a this guy's a dick way yes fine yeah it's just it's, (laughs) it's just so hard when i you can't when i can't when i can't cheer for the protagonist of the film <laughs> that's fine <laughs> that's fine but it's because he's fucking over his best friend mm-hmm. and i'm just like yeah mm-hmm. uh there's it's, oh there's, go ahead. Sorry, i wanted to just uh roll it back for a split second oh. uh in the them naming the band scene uh there's one note that i have another thing that i uh, i have quoted on many an occasion is uh, even though the character is a little problematic Billy calling Dewey out for his fashion sense saying, style, you want to talk to me about style? You can't even dress yourself. Look at that bow tie. And anytime a bow tie is worn by anybody, I'll always tell them, you can't even dress yourself. Look at that bow tie. Or I own a bow tie. And Emma tells me every time I wear it, you can't even dress yourself. Look at that bow tie. Emma says that? (laughs) Well, she bought it for me, so she's allowed to. Okay. (laughs) 
Does this movie resonate with her as well? Oh, she loves this movie. Holy her, fuck. her and her sister both grew up on this movie Jesus as well. Christ. We had a great time watching it two two nights ago. All right, we were having a blast. All right. <laughs> <sighs> the other problem I have with the scene where he tells Ned is that Patty comes in and she's such a shrill. Mm-hmm. It's just such a poorly written character, and it's just a stereotype of the girlfriend who just wants to wreck everything for the guy yeah it's so hard to watch oh i hated it so much (laughs) and don't get me wrong this is not the only occurrence of it and it's one of the reasons like i i did i i dislike it it's just so common because shocker women actresses were treated like shit and they have poorly written characters yep. for the most part. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I, I think maybe one of the reasons that I it hurts or it bothers me so much is Sarah Silverman's playing it so well. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like she, she does the naggy girlfriend act yeah. quite well. Too well. And yeah. I think that's what bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so he goes to parent night. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. I know that he had intimated early on that he wasn't even going to go. Mm. And it wasn't if Mrs. Mullins, or Miss, sorry, Miss Mullins had asked him to go with her. I guess he just wasn't going to go and all those parents would have been sitting in that class. He was going to be in a spot either way, I think. The thing that I find... Well, I guess it just kind of shows his character. He was warned about Parent Night earlier on in the movie because mm-hmm. he has that scene where he like spills the coffee on himself because he's surprised. Yeah. So I guess he's. I guess I just he's just shirking responsibility because he's for the first time ever. <laughs> right, because he's you know he's lived off of Ned for. He's been he's been perfectly responsible right up till this point in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so the scene's awkward. Hmm. But he still won't take responsibility for his actions. Yeah. He is here. He's at the front of the class. He's being grilled by the parents over the choices he's made. The kids are there telling him, just tell our parents what we're doing. So he is caught in his lie, and he sees the cop outside his room and still will not accept responsibility for the actions he's done. Oh, it just makes me so angry. Yeah, and uh, and his uh, his speech that he genuinely thinks is going to work, where he's like, "Well, I get super poorly worded. I've been uh, I've been touched by your kids, and I'm pretty sure I've touched them. Super the wrong thing to say. But yeah, it, but it, nowhere does it approach an apology. No, no, and that that joke that joke's too easy. Yeah, it is. Like outside of the billy stuff that might be my least favorite joke mm. pretty close yeah and, and then if you want to pull up the threads of of plausibility oh <laughs> i don't understand he's in that room all the parents are by the desks <laughs> the cops ned and Patty are by the door, and yet he somehow has time to grab two guitars and run away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because they needed the shot. <laughs> they, did, they did need the shot. Where was he going? <laughs> and again, he has literally committed a crime. Yeah, this is fraud. And, and there is n- no repercussions. <laughs> the, the, the school's like, we're not pressing charges. Yeah, exactly. The, par- oh. the parents are like, we're not pressing charges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, uh... All good. I, I got I, nothing. Again, I'm not complaining. It's just one of those little funny things you, you notice. You're like, all right. You just you let it go because that's not this movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> his, him not taking responsibility there just makes me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Might be one of the all-time worst protagonists of all time. Oh, no. Like, not, again, not in regards to it's a poorly written character. Just, I don't want this person to succeed. I have no, no desire to <laughs> see this person. You're not rooting for him. No, yeah. I was rooting more for fucking... Uh, Walking Phoenix's Joker. In no, the Joker. you weren't. I was. No, you weren't. Yes, <laughs> yes, I was. I don't want Dewey to to win at all. Yeah. Um. The next scene where the parents are attacking Miss Mullins. Um. Again, all it does is make me angry. He's fucked her over mm-hmm. as well. I love Joan Cusack's acting in these scenes, these these cuts to her taking this barrage from the parents after she has intimated to Jack Black just how uptight these parents can be when they feel that their children are threatened. Mm-hmm. They will come at her, uh, to quote her, like a nuclear bomb. She has, ma- has made sure he understands in no uncertain terms that... These parents are protective of their children, and they're rich. It's a dangerous combination. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this scene is uncomfortable in a good way for me. It just made me angry. I'm just like, Dewey's such a fuck. He's such a fuck. One of my favorite lines in the movie, maybe, spoiler for the quote section, I've just been informed that all your children are missing. So... (laughs) great one joan is delightful in this scene Mm -hmm. and she allows this scene to be much better than it should be the next day the kids go get dewey yep i guess they they go back to school the next day yeah with him at home not in jail i guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) somehow they get into the apartment yeah security's lax i guess not the nice apartments. I know there's obviously no doorman. Yeah, like, they they could have snuck in with somebody. Sure. I can believe it. Doesn't matter. Like I said, I don't care. <laughs> it's not an important enough thing where I'm going to be like that doesn't make any sense. That would never happen in the real world. This movie's ridiculous. This movie, everything was plausible up until here. <laughs> I call bullshit. I could forgive the casual homophobia, <laughs> but this. Yeah, this is a step too far. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Podcast is over. Yeah. Uh, and this is the scene I'm talking about where he is going to accept responsibility for his actions and the kids let him off the hook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you fuckers. Yeah. But for them, they have put in the work. They want to go reap the benefits of the work they put in. Yeah. And granted, I completely understand this because my daughter is the same way. 
if she puts in time and effort into something she wants to see it through and she wants to get the rewards that she feels she deserves for what she's done Mm -hmm. so i get no not me i'm a quitter but Um. (laughs) fuck you dewey (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i said earlier i've got no problem with the bus scene i i understand the point of view that we may be robbing dewey of a part of his arc you know we may be robbing him of the part of his arc where he begins to take personal responsibility Mm -hmm. for some of his actions um by doing the scene this way but for me the scene is about the kids and the fact that he has instilled this love of music in them they have put in all this work and the scene in the classroom beforehand they're not like they're not saying wow dewey was such a great guy we should forgive him they're saying all they're saying is you know what this guy was a loser but we worked so hard for this show. We're still we're still gonna play it. Yep, totally. So they get to the concert. They get one song, mm-hmm. and they choose Zach's song. The culmination in my mind of the arc that Dewey actually has in this movie, which is him going from somebody who's focused on himself and focused on becoming a famous guitarist to being somebody who actually enjoyed teaching these kids and fostering this love of music that he's seen in them this is the culmination of that he realizes that his song isn't that great and uh and zach's song is the better one and it's one that they built so why not go with it song starts Mm -hmm. it's well shot Mm -hmm. it's a fun concert scene Uh uh-huh Something happens in this scene here that almost got me to cry. Ooh. Yeah. The parents get into the concert and the look of pride on their... Look at me. I'm going to fucking cry right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The look of pride... Oh, fuck me. The look of pride on their face as they're seeing a side of their children that they hadn't seen before and I can tell you as a parent when you see your child do something that they enjoy and that they succeed at it fills your heart with such love and pride that is completely overwhelming so I think I think it's I'm pretty sure it's Tamiqua's parents Mm -hmm. that is the best shot and it almost got me to cry and then it allowed me to enjoy the rest of the song a lot more mm-hmm. uh for me i also like uh zach's parents like uh dewey introduces the song and says this song was written by our very own zach mooneyham and we get an edit we get a cut to zach's parents and his mom looking genuinely surprised she was like whoa didn't know that was possible but the song is good mm-hmm I love this song, full disclosure. A little biased, but yeah. love this song. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, it's a good song. I was thinking, uh, side note, it would take some time, but I was thinking for the movie draft game of movie songs that are played in the movie. Mm. Di- diegetic songs. Yes. Like, but, uh, i.e., songs that the characters can hear yeah not like best scores or anything no songs that the characters can hear but they have to be original Mm. so like as an example if 
from Almost Famous. Can't do Tiny Dancer. Can't do Tiny Dancer. I see. But the songs that they sing at the concert, you can use. Those are fair game. Yes. City of Stars, La La Land, fair game. Original song that the characters can hear. Yes. Okay. Stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> so this would be eligible. Yes. Yes. That's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> we just take some research. Hmm. Anyways, uh, it's a good thing the song is good. Yeah, could you imagine if it wasn't after all that time? It, what it made me, what it made me, rem, uh, what it reminded me of is that thing you do, where yeah. if the song's not good, that, oh man, no, yeah, <laughs> that movie's just not gonna work. <laughs> and uh, like, I know that you you enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing you do, I really enjoyed. Um, I want to rewatch that thing you do with the theatrical cut. the theatrical <laughs> cut because that movie is way over long in the director's cut. Yeah, the director's cut it doesn't need to do that. <clears throat> I think you'd enjoy the movie even more. Probably. Uh, but yeah, the song's really good. The concert is shot really well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I have always... Well, I'm trying to think of what sort of things I should say about this. I want to say one thing, which is that Zach's guitar solo, where he's all loosey-goosey up at the front, and he's, like, he's learned all these guitar moves. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a really cool solo, not only because it's well-played by uh, that actor... Uh, I assume it's actually him on the recording, although I'm not actually sure. It's a it's a fun song, fun solo, but I also like that this is the culmination of an arc for him. Um, we've seen Dewey does that whole like, dude, you're you're so robotic up there. What like you're the you're the lead guitarist. You got to be loose. And in the montage, he's showing him all these charismatic guitarists from years past. Um, you know, showing him all these crazy signature moves, people doing windmills and uh, crazy stuff on stage. So. The fact that Zach manages to be so loose in this scene, I think, is a small detail, but like it's a it's a physical acting thing that I wanted to draw attention to. Sure, it's just a it's just a, it's a nice touch. Sweet. It's all over. We got our second spider scene <laughs> as he hits on Miss Mullins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you warm? <laughs> With his delightful sex tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no vacancy wins. Yeah, the battle of the bands. Mm-hmm. I have always really liked that School of Rock did not win. I do as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Uh, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it would, it would. It was no vacancy. That's playing right when they show up. Right. Yeah. They play that. Is that a? Would that be a ballad? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, the song's called Heartsick. I think it's original for this movie as well. It's a so. good song. Yeah. I. I I'm a fan of rock ballads. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it did not occur to me uh, the, I, when I was a little kid. It took me a few watches to realize that this was even the same band. And I was trying to realize why. Like, as an adult now, obviously, I know. Uh, but I was trying to figure out why. And I think it's because the front man has a different haircut. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's a totally different haircut. Yeah. So, like, when I was a kid, I didn't even realize that was Dewey's old band. I was like, oh. and then a spider rolled around. And I was like, oh, spiders in this band. Weird. obviously i made the realization at some point my note here i'm gonna read it to you you'll possibly disagree which i would love to hear your opinion okay cool all right dewey shows his true colors here as he's angry about losing Mm. showing he's made zero growth oh yeah i mean until the kids don't care Mm-hmm. and tell him all the bullshit that he's unloaded on them, they revert back to him, and then he 
he realizes that the shit he's been saying, he didn't truly feel, because if he truly felt that way, he wouldn't be angry at this. He's so selfish, and it's here that his arc finally completes. Yeah. And it really fucking bugged me. But it redeems it by the end of that whole, and that's all within, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, the fact that he is the only one of this group who blows up. He's like, what? No, come on. Like, we were the best one. He knows they were the they were the better group. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he still feels entitled. Yep. He's still enti- he still feels he's entitled to a little bit of recognition. He's entitled to that prize. Um, and yeah, the kids tell him again. Freddie Jones, one of my favorite characters in this movie, tells him, "Hey man, rock and roll isn't about getting an A. The Sex Pistols never won anything big." <laughs> I, for some reason, that is such a great line. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I it. So this bothered you the, the the direction that they went with with the ending of this arc? No, Dewey bothered me again. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. I yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I I think what you're saying is probably intentional on the filmmaker's side of things, right? The the fact that he needs to hear his own sh- sh- bullshit repeated back to him from the kids that he taught uh, that is the culmination of the arc of them you know, of him finally making this realization that. It's not about winning, and it's not about me. It was about putting on a kick-ass show with my band. Yeah. Crowd chants. They do an encore. Mm-hmm. Some more concert scene. It's done well. And then the movie ends with... Is the song being played over top of the whole scene? I feel yep, like it is. it's the entire the entire credits uh, are played. Uh, yeah. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll by ACDC. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. Dewey has found his calling, teaching kids. Shocker. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ned has joined him. Yep. Ned is teaching the, uh, the, the kids class, I yeah. guess. Um, I know you're not a music guy, but I'm sure you can probably tell all these Kids are obviously not good at music. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the trivia notes on IMDb from this movie is something I intuitively knew but didn't really like keep track of. He tells all the kids to play a C chord. Uh, Ned does. Mm-hmm. And not a single one of them successfully plays a C chord. <laughs> and he's all like, oh, good job, you guys. Just such a such a Ned thing to do. Yep. Such a pushover thing to do. Not a single one of them successfully plays a C chord. <laughs> That's the movie. I love this end credits. Perfect. This is one of my favorite end credits scene of all time. Obviously, there's a lot more to choose from now than there were at the time this came out, as end credit scenes have exploded in popularity with mm-hmm. the MCU in particular. I know what my... Uh, off the top of my head, I know what my number one favorite end credit scene is of all time. I'm going to guess Ferris Bueller. No. Ooh. No. You will actually be surprised. Okay. It's a hangover. What's the end credit scene in The Hangover? Well, they see all the pictures on the, ca- oh, on the camera. Oh, that is surprising to me. Huh. In When I saw that in the theater, I was fucking dying. Really? Dying. You were lukewarm on The Hangover generally, right? Oh, the, I think the pro. I loved it in the theater. Hmm. And it's the sequels that completely made me hate that movie. Yeah. I was like, why? I un- like, I understand why. Because it made so much money. They're like, well, we need to ride this train. But, like, it's, it's the concept of that movie made it so fun. As this freak one-off occurrence yes. that happened to these ordinary people, and then they go through the same thing again the next time. Yeah. It just 
But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hangover two and three aren't good. I haven't seen Hangover one in a in a long time. I'm gonna say I've probably seen it about two or three times total. I've probably seen it close to ten. Hmm. I enjoy. I really enjoy the Hangover. Huh. I do. That's I, that's surprising to me. I, know. I I don't think it's a bad movie. I'm just. It doesn't seem like your speed. I know. I know. I yeah. I've I've always. We love it. us some Bradley Cooper though. So. Yeah. yeah. Bradley Cooper. Bradley. Did that movie put him on the map? In a big way, I know he was in Wedding Crashers before that. That's probably this is the this is the movie that yeah yeah as far as a starring role is concerned yeah, yeah. fucking a um I I love the end credits it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll every single time I hear this song in any context I think of this movie um I want it now seems like a pretty natural time to draw attention to the soundtrack sure. so many of the songs in this movie have become favorites of mine uh, substitute by the Who. Uh, Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Do you know the, the story of Immigrant Song in this movie? Of how they got it? Yeah. 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 And you're... I, I just love it's that story. It's in the trivia. If, if you, if you want to share it, go right ahead. I was yeah, like, I was just going to say that um, I've heard... This thing has become kind of a legend, I guess you could say. I don't know which parts of it are true and which aren't, but Jack Black did make... Um, sort of a DVD commentary section in the movie where he explained this story and they showed the actual clip where uh, Led Zeppelin is notorious, let's say, for not wanting their intellectual property to be used by anyone. They don't like their songs being used in movies, TV, anything. Um, but they had this song written around, or they had the scene written around Immigrant Song um, with Jack Black driving away, singing along to it after they've successfully tricked the Battle of the Bands manager uh, into letting them on because of Stick It to the Maniosis. So they had this whole scene written around it and uh, Jack Black, during the filming of the final concert scene, uh, grabbed the camera on Richard Linklater's request and turned it around and recorded about a three-minute video uh, which Richard Linklater then sent to each of the members of Led Zeppelin directly where he essentially begged them for inclusion of the of the song in the movie and i watched the clip earlier today i've seen this movie a thousand times but i had never seen the clip before it's about three minutes long and he basically says look this movie's going to be great either way but it's a movie about rock and it's a movie about rock legends and how can we make this movie without you how can we make this movie without this song if it's about rock legends and he he uh, Jack Black says in the commentaries, like, let that be a lesson to, to anybody. If there's something that you want, that don't be afraid to get down on your knees and beg because you might get it. <laughs> and it's, I've, I think it's such a great story. And I'm so happy that that song was included in that movie. Now, fast forward years later, I actually just this week watched, uh, rewatched Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> <laughs> where that song is again included, and every time I see that movie, I'm like, "Yeah, it was better in School of Rock." No, and, I disagree. And, and honestly, <laughs> it reduces the magic just a little bit, knowing that that song is in another movie. Does that make sense? It does. Because for my whole life, this has been this like, "Wow, this special thing." I can't believe Led Zeppelin okayed them to use this song for this movie. That's such a cool thing. And then they also okayed it for Thor Ragnarok, and I was like, "Oh, that's less special." <laughs> Even though that scene's pretty fucking cool. It's fucking really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the film? I think that is pretty well it. I love the end credits, and uh, I love this movie in general. Awesome. Some trivia for you, which you probably know most of them anyways. <laughs> you mentioned early on, Jack Black thought of all the nicknames for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea for the movie came when writer Mike White moved in an apartment next to Jack Black. 
Uh, White would often find Jack Black running naked through the halls or blasting much of the music featured in the movie at full volume. Uh, Mike is actually not a huge fan of classic rock. Uh, The basis of the movie is actually used so Jack Black could perform his own favorite music. Sweet. Um, In the photo that Dewey Finn holds up of his and Ned Schliebley's old band, the other person is uh, Richard Linklater, Mm -hmm. the movie's director. Um, During the course of the movie, Jack Black switches the part in his hair from left to right, depending on whether he is being Dewey Finn or Ned Schliebley. That's some Clark Kent shit. Yep. Putting on glasses. Uh, Originally in the screenplay, Dewey Finn was supposed to have run over the teacher before she came to school, which stopped her from teaching the class for three weeks. They were probably brainstorming ways to make him even less likable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Afterwards, they changed it to her falling in the shower, which is much better. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned, sadly, Kevin Alexander Clark, who played Freddie Jones, was killed in a bicycle accident on uh, May 26th of this year at the age of 32. Yeah, too bad. <clears throat> and this is the other one. Um, Rivka Reyes, who played Katie, mm-hmm. um, the bass player, um, she now goes by the gender-neutral uh, gender pronouns they, them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she revealed in February of 2021 that the success of this movie brought uh, Reyes a great deal of attention, which led to bullying and addiction. Reyes told the New York Post that classmates made their life painful. Reyes said they also felt, quote, unsafe existing, end quote, because of obsessive fans and feeling sexualized while barely a teen, including by one man who attempted to photograph them while they were in the sixth grade and by online message boards in which adult men would write things like how they couldn't wait till she's 18 or the basis is going to grow up to be hot. Reyes described themselves as a raging addict from the age of 14 to 24 as they put pressure on themselves to land a bigger part so people would stop calling them Katie and the bullying would stop. They use self-harm, sex, drugs, and alcohol as a coping mechanism to get through this. Yeah, I, uh, I had heard that um, a lot of these kids are still popular on social media, obviously, if uh, the kids who watched this movie grew up and social media became more prevalent. Mm-hmm. A number of these kids have become sort of semi-social media famous. Uh, the the person who plays uh, who plays Katie is one of them. Um, I know that Emma follows them on TikTok uh, and a couple of social media platforms. And yeah, they're they're quite open about their experience with this movie. As far as I know, um, none of the cast members of this movie have said that their experience like with the movie was bad. No. No, I, uh, I it's mostly been the reaction to. Yep. Um, yeah, I know that there was a ten-year reunion where, like, I, I think all of these people still stay in touch. I think all the all the children from this movie still t- stay in touch, as well as Jack Black. Um, they they're all still in communication. So I hope the relationship there is still nice. But yeah, it's really really too bad. Yeah. That at least I mean we've already mentioned two that had um, an openly negative experience. At least after the fact after of this the movie. Fact. Yeah, yeah, after the fact of this nothing, movie. There's, I, no research found that anything going on during the filming was bad. It's mm-hmm. the reaction afterwards. Uh, and the last one. Uh, in Spain, Jack Black was dubbed by singer-actor Danny Martin. Uh, Martin had no dubbing experience, but this was chosen because in the time of the movie, his rock band El Canto de Loco was a big hit in Spain. This dubbing is considered one of the worst dubbing ever made in Spain. On account of Martin's casting choice. Awesome. <laughs> awesome how terrible it is. Uh, casting what ifs, I could only find one, and it was a director. Uh, originally, uh, Stephen Frears was mm-hmm. approached to direct the movie. Regardless of one's personal opinion about Jack Black, I don't know who else you can cast in the lead role. Somebody who has that kind of passion and talent at rock music. 
Um, I, I don't know who else you could cash in this role. I think you need that previously existing experience, but maybe you have a counter example for me. I do, but it's not a better one. Mm. Um, it's just somebody I know that while his manic energy isn't that high as Jack Black, it's still high. I don't think his singing skills are at Jack Black. This is basically, it's like a worse version of Jack Black without that manic energy. Mm -hmm. And at the time in 2003, I don't know what he was doing. So let me see if I can quickly look him up. Um, Who I'm thinking of is Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, Jimmy Fallon actually gets shat on a lot in, you know, like in particular on Reddit. I used to watch a lot of his late night show. Um, I think he is a pretty talented musician and I think he'd be able to pull it off generally. I would not rather him for this role. And I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that's what you're saying. No, no, no. But if we're just trying to spitball alternate casting series, it'd probably be reasonable. I know he had, uh, he had fever pitch in 2004. So 2003, when this came out, he was probably available. Fever pitch 2005. Ooh, shit. Oh, right. Because the, obviously, uh, 2004 was the actual series it doesn't it doesn't list him as an actor on snl because he was not acting he's just himself is that why that's bullshit if that's the case definitely an actor are you trying to figure out what time frame he was on uh snl saturday night live Hmm. yeah i'm not particularly sure I haven't seen Fever Pitch in recent memory, but I definitely remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, Fever Pitch? yeah, I saw Fever Pitch like when it came out because I was, I was a baseball fan and I want, I knew there was this baseball movie around this series I was crazy about. Is that a guilty pleasure movie still for you or uh, has that sort of waned in your opinion? Okay. So for those that don't know, <clears throat> uh, Fever Pitch uh, is a movie uh, set in 2004 uh, in Boston. 2003 and 2004, when the Boston Red Sox are still in the midst of their 86-year-old curse, uh, where they haven't won the World Series. I won't get in the history of that, because that's an hour and a half to explain. Literally, we've measured. (laughs) (laughs) When the movie came out, the movie came out just after the Red Sox ended the 86-year-old curse. How many years? 86. (sighs) long time they had to reshoot the ending because the red sox won the world series that's always been the craziest thing about that movie to me that's that's why i wanted to see it is because they wrote this whole movie around this guy being a fan of this terrible sports team who is never going to win a championship and hadn't won it in nearly a century and they shot it the year that they won it yes in the most insane fashion in sports history yes so when that movie came out I'm fresh off of my favorite sports team winning their first ever championship. Well, I shouldn't say first ever championship. First in modern history. First one in modern history. Yeah. So I loved that movie. Loved it. Watched it a couple numerous times. Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I'm not a Drew Barrymore fan. I don't hate her. I just don't think she's that good of an actress. Me either. Loved the movie. Pretty sure I watched it this year. It's fucking horrible. It was hard. Are you going to check to see when I watched yeah, it? Yeah, let's it, see Let's see your letterbox score here real check. quick. Oh, I can tell you the score. Oh, yeah? It's a two. It's a two? It's a two. Manny logged Fever Pitch on February 27th, 
of this year, 2021. Gave it a two. Yeah, it's not good. Sam, watching it hurt my heart. Yeah. I, like, full on, I loved it because it was about the Red Sox, and I thought it was really, I thought it was really fun. And it probably was. At the time. Yeah. It's not now. It's not a good movie. Now that the, I don't want to say the charm is worn off, but maybe the novelty has worn off. Maybe. But my... One of my all-time favorite baseball players is in the movie. Uh, Johnny Damon? No, no. Oh, like in in the movie. He's in in the movie. Oh, I don't I don't even remember. Yeah, it's uh, Jason Veritek. Oh, he really? No speaking parts, but he's he sees Veritek, Trot Nixon, and Johnny Damon eating steak, and it makes him angry. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I, was, I I distinctly have this memory. I can't believe we're talking about Fever Pitch right now, <laughs> but I distinctly have this memory of watching that game and. Uh, I guess spoiler for Fever Pitch if you haven't seen it. In the climactic scene of the movie where Drew Barrymore runs to him across the field, mm-hmm. I remember watching that game on TV, and I remember them pausing the game so that they could shoot that scene, just like briefly. And she sprints in from center field past Johnny Damon. Yeah. And I, I always, like, that is burned into my memory. And I remember thinking that being like, wow, I'm going to watch that movie. And then when it came out, I was like, oh, it's that movie they shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't good. No, it's not good. But Jimmy Fallon's the only person I could think of. He's basically... That's actually a really... That's a that's a better pick than I was able to come up with. I yeah. was not able to come up with anything. Okay. Uh, favorite quote? Can't imagine you have that many. Four. Okay. How many do you have? Did you get to ten? I actually didn't. I only wrote down five. I kind of okay. stopped after that. Like I said, there's so many quotable things from this movie that mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily consider like best quotes just things that I say also a lot of it is in dialogue form which I try to avoid in these things Fair enough. I try to just get like one liners alright first up is summer I research groupies on the internet they're sluts they sleep with the band no they're like cheerleaders <laughs> number two is from Dewey lead guitar Zach attack on bass, Posh Spice. On keyboards, Mr. Cool. And on drums, Spazzy McGee. Okay, Blondie, Brace Face, you're singing backup. All right, tough guy, shortstop, fancy pants. Get over here. You're on security detail. Nice. Number three is from Dewey. Okay, Miss Dumbum, ain't your teacher today? I am, and I have a headache in the runs. So I say <laughs> time for recess. Yep. Number four is from Dewey. Well, those days are over, buddy. You could be the ugliest sad sack on the planet, but if you're in a rockin' band, you're the cat's pajamas. You're the bee's knees. The bee's knees? That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, I only wrote down five, uh, right. but there's a lot more than this. I just was too lazy, and I pointed out a lot of my favorites as we went along. Um, number one is from Billy. You're tacky and I hate you. It's sick burn. <laughs> uh, number two, don't be talking about my bow tie. Jack Black. Um, number three is a bit of a back and forth. Uh, Katie, what was that thing you were playing today? The big thing? Cello? Okay, this is a bass guitar. And it's the exact same thing, except, uh, instead of playing it like this, you tip it on its side. Cello, you got a bass. Another quotable one. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I work in a place that sells cellos. You have to understand this. Anytime it comes up. Cello. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, uh, Fourth is a long one. All right. Uh, give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. 
Yeah, you can try, but in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Oh, you don't know the man? He's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Ms. Mullins, she's the man, and the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll, but guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV. So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome because the man's just going <laughs> to call you fat, washed up loser and crush your soul. So do yourself a favor and just give up. It's a little harsh. Yeah. Number five. I've just been informed that all your children are missing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Manny, what's your favorite? Uh, this one I pick because... Uh, I found this movie, sadly, sorry, to be kind of unquotable. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I didn't really, there wasn't anything that stuck out. So I'm picking this, not because I really like this quote, but because I enjoy using this phrase often. And so that's, well, those days are over, buddy. You could be the ugliest sad sack on the planet, but but if you're in a rock band, you're the cat's pajamas, you're the bee's knees. I love saying you're the bee's mm-hmm. knees and cat's pajamas. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I'm picking it. Nice. I might, this might be a surprise to you, but... Uh, Joan Cusack's delivery of I've just been informed that all your children are missing is one of my favorite things in this movie. That is delightful. Gets me in stitches every time. Wicked. <laughs> favorite scene. I have six. Okay. Uh, I have uh, forming the band assigning roles. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lawrence at lunch. Building yep. him up. Um, the, uh, the angry songs. Yes. Uh, the proud parents at the concert. The final concert itself, so I'm kind of separating out the the, par- the, the parents being proud from the final concert itself. Right. Uh, and the montage. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I wish I would have put the montage on here. Anyway, um, I was trying to add one that I f- thought I forgot, but it was on the next page. I, actually, I thought I have five. I actually have seven. All right. Um, one we didn't actually get to talk about uh, in the movie, I think. Uh, Dewey talking to Tamika about uh, body image and mm. Aretha Franklin. Yep. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that scene. That is one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, I, that scene has always actually really touched me. Nice. And I've always liked how sensitive he is about it and the way he's like, look, I've got a weight problem too, but like you've you've got talent, which is something that everybody would want to have. Nice. And he, he manages to, you know, relate to her on her level. I think it's a really cute scene. Nice. Yeah. Um, number two, another one you don't like, I don't think, or maybe d- didn't like as much, uh, the Legend of the Rent scene, the introduction. Sure. Just Jack Black doing his thing. Uh, number three is uh, the one that I just read in at length, which is uh, the man rant. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four is the performance of Teacher's Pet. Uh, number five is teaching Lawrence the handshake and that whole scene, the yep. I'm not cool scene. Uh, number six is giving out roles uh, slash nicknames. Mm-hmm. And uh, number seven is the first class that he shows up to where uh, Freddie calls him an alcoholic. <laughs> All right. My favorite scene is the proud parents. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could see you get a little, a little misty. Yep, yep. Um, gosh, I guess it's a tough one. I think I am going to go with the performance of Teacher's Pet. All right, that is a fantastic song, and I love it. Excellent. All right, closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? No, sir. Not even Joan Cusack. Uh, best supporting actress, two thousand three. Manny, who do we have? Uh, the winner is Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain. Haven't seen it. She ain't beating her. Uh, then I'm gonna really butcher this name, but I will try it. Uh, it sounds like it's Shorei Agadashlu. 
uh, for House of Sand and Fog, which I have seen. Uh, I don't remember the performance that well. I remember it being good, but I couldn't recall anything about it. Not better than that. Uh, Patricia Clarkson for Pieces of April. Haven't seen it. Uh, Marcia Gay Harden for Mystic River. We have seen it. She ain't beaten it. I don't remember her. I do. Really good. Mm. She's the almost overbearing wife to Tim Robbins' character. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Holly Hunter for 13. Haven't seen it. Hmm. So I've seen three performances. Mr. Grover is on my rewatch list. I remember really liking that movie. I don't think I can put Joan in here. I don't think so either. I love this performance, yep. but it's, I mean, the Academy is notorious for not recognizing comedic performances anyway. Even if they were, I don't think this slips in. This is just one that I really enjoy. Uh, any other aspects of the film award worthy? Uh, I don't think so. Um, best original song, maybe. For teacher's Katie, pet, we're not going to give you that. Legend of the Rent, I think, is like intentionally kind of cheesy, so I would not nominate that. But uh, teacher's pet, I would. Okay. Um, oh, there there actually is a comedy song in here in the nominations. So the winner was Into the West from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, a song I don't know. It's called Belleville Rendezvous from the Triplets of Belleville. It's don't an animated it. film. The comedy song, which is a uh, a. Uh, a movie I haven't seen, but it's The Mighty Wind, uh, A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. Don't know That's it. one of those mockumentaries. Oh, okay. Um, from the guys that do Best in Show. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. Yep, okay. And I've Spinal heard, Tap. I've, yeah, I've heard this is pretty good. Okay. Uh, and then two from Cold Mountain, um, Scarlet Tide and You Will Be My Ain True Love, which was a song, that last one, um, it's kind of like a bluegrass mm. kind of song. Cool. I, I remember really liking it. I like that it. kind of style. Uh, I could see this being in here. Um, you know, you know what? Fuck it. Honestly, I, I uh, sorry. What's the name of the song again? Teacher's Pet. Teacher's Pet. Um, I think I like Teacher's Pet better than Into the West. Okay, cool. Yeah, I easy. Think, I think it. I think it should win the Oscar. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So in our mind, this Oscar-winning movie, <laughs> School yeah. of Rock, yeah. perfect. Um, I don't. In spite of my enjoyment of the movie, I can't, in all good faith, give it a screenplay nomination. Um, editing, no. Cinematography, no. Uh, no performances are award-worthy. Uh, nope. Uh, makeup and costuming, the final performance, arguably, but... Costuming. Oh, well, it's obviously... I mean, it's going to be Lord of the Rings this year, right? Where is costuming? Costuming. There we go. Yeah, it's not making it. Hmm. Any other big ones? Yeah, I've seen four of them. So Lord of the Rings wins. Uh, Girl with a Pearl Earring. Haven't, haven't seen, seen it. Um, the Last Samurai. Haven't seen it. Was that uh, Tom Cruise? Yeah. yeah. Um, Master and Commander. <laughs> yeah. And oh, Sea- man, I love that movie. <laughs> and Seabiscuit. Nice. Yeah. That was a good year. Yeah. I can't remember when the last time I rewatched Master and Commander is. I can't remember if I gave it a four or a five. I bet on my next watch it's going to be a five. That movie is spectacular. I just rewatched it. So good. Like within the last two weeks. <sighs> movie's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Oops, sorry. Um, weak link of the film. Patty. Billy. Let's call it, call it even. <laughs> Characters ending in Y, not named Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> Was this anyone's career highlight? Mike White. All of the kids. Yeah. Well, except for Miranda Cosgrove. I think she... 
Like iCarly was bigger than this film? iCarly was a pretty big kids show. Yeah? I think. I think it went for several seasons. And they did a reboot of it, actually. Okay. It was big enough to get a reboot, so. Okay. My only pushback on that is I never heard of that, Mm. and I've heard of School of Rock. That's true. That's That's entirely fair. just a slight pushback, but I'm pretty sure, like, well. Okay. it's, It's a... It's a, it's a, this is a bad example, but like, let's, I'm just using this as an example as, because it's something that you might not have heard of. Let's say the Back to the Future trilogy never existed. Okay. What would Michael J. Fox's career highlight have been? That sitcom he was on that I can't remember the name of. Right. So if I said Family Ties, you might know only because you've heard of Michael J. Fox through Back to the Future. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but Family Ties was massive, mm-hmm. but you hadn't heard of it. Yeah. So I don't, like, and I'm 100% know that iCarly was not Family Ties. No, level. it's not like it's... I just don't know, the, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Go for it. I just don't know the impact iCarly has on your generation. I'm not going to sit here and say it's like um, super formative. Mm-hmm. It was definitely popular. It was it was on Nickelodeon for six seasons. Okay. 97 episodes. She was the lead. Um, it stopped at 97? Yeah. Oh, I know. They couldn't oh. even get to 100, right? It's so sad. Um, when they make 100, you know they make a lot of money. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it can go... It, it goes into full syndication. And oh. You make, you make shit tons of money. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, it was rebooted for a season this year, and it was renewed for a second. Uh, so they have 13 new episodes um which are on paramount plus weird um everyone has their own streaming service now they have 13 episodes on paramount plus and uh, they were renewed for a second season um i didn't watch iCarly okay but it was popular with my generation at the time i personally would take miranda cosgrove in school of rock over that but uh let's see if she was in anything else that i'm forgetting i think she also had a you know oh yeah she has one solo album called sparks fly and did a little bit of touring but that's about it in a series called crowded the goldbergs one episode yeah i don't know i i think personally ah uh, you know what maybe, maybe it is school of rock i honestly don't know it's one of the two okay that's fair i like i said i'm i'm speaking as an outsider yeah um i you- i carly was a was a relatively big phenomenon but again it was mainly geared towards kids so okay it's difficult to say and you're feeling that this is Mike White's career highlight? Yeah, I. Unless you want to, the guy getting uh, eaten in a bathroom stall in, in Zombieland, maybe. <laughs> no, this this is. Oh my God, he was in Swingers. No, I will. I'll agree with that. Um, um, this show. It's not Lucas Babin's highlight because he's the DA in uh, Texas, some Texas county. <laughs> is he right? Okay. Oh, he created? Is he a producer on it, too? Oh, yes. Mike White? No, there's this show um, right now that's it's called The White Lotus. Apparently, um, it's getting pretty great reviews and is quite popular. Mm. But it, it has literally just come out, and he's the creator on it. Oh. So this could possibly overtake School of Rock for Mike White. But for the time being? Uh, I'll, I'll definitely go with that uh just not to, sarah silverman sorry go ahead just to throw it out there yeah what is jack black's career highlight is it just being in tenacious d or are we talking film career specifically we can go we go all over 
I think Jack Black is better known as a movie star than he is as a musician. I agree. But I can't think of a singular movie that he's better known for than Tenacious D. Then, sorry, than his role as a musician in Tenacious D, not his role in the movie. What if he's part of an ensemble of a movie that did incredibly well? Are you referring to, is it High Fidelity? No. Or, um, which, uh, Jumanji. Which? They're massive hits. I don't want that to be the answer. It might be. I don't want it to be. Ugh. I'm going to put forth that School of Rock is in contention for Jack Black's career highlight. Kung Fu Panda. Oh, that's probably the answer, honestly. It's, it's Kung Fu Panda. That's probably it. That's a good call. It's Kung Fu Panda. Um, MVP of the film. Jack Black. This yeah. movie hinges on his performance. If you like the performance, you like the movie. If you don't, you don't. It's as simple as that, I think. The entire enjoyment of the movie rests on his shoulders alone. Yeah, I think. It's, it's 100% him. What will be this film's legacy? I can tell you personally, I think of this movie as the one that was that solidified my in my already budding enjoyment of classic rock yeah. and of uh, of musicianship in general. In general, I would say I honestly I don't know what legacy like, does. I don't I don't think it has one. Yeah, and I that's guess not. Not a detriment. There's just no. <clears throat> this movie. There are plenty it, of good movies that don't have legacies. <clears throat> Agreed. I, I don't think this film has a legacy. I think for you it has a very important personal legacy. Yes. I think for the general public this movie is just um, a movie a lot of people enjoyed. Mm -hmm. That would be this film's legacy. Right. Sam, would you watch this movie again? Uh, like today? Probably. Oh, you mean just ever? Yeah, no, I would, for sure. I'd probably watch this movie again. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend this movie to friends? Yep. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one for you. It's an easy one for me. Huh? No, no. But say, but saying that, I, I think it, the, I'm not telling people to not watch it. I think the answer hinges on if you have a friend who likes Jack Black who's never seen School of Rock. You're like, oh, you should check out School of Rock, right? Let me let me put it this way: if somebody's like, hey, should I watch School of Rock? I would say yes. But if somebody was like, what should I watch tonight? This would School of Rock would not be close to the top of the list. I get that. Mm -mm. I get that. Mm -mm. So, yeah. Sam, what are your final thoughts on School of Rock? Actually, sorry. I just want to oh. say on uh, career highlight, folks, um, it sh could be argued. Apparently, when Mike White was on Survivor, he was a runner-up. Okay. I just want to throw that out there. All right. That his career in reality TV could also be considered in that. Sure. Because I didn't know that anyway final thoughts on school of rock this episode went about how i expected it to go <laughs> me gushing over this movie and manny going yeah it was all right i guess <laughs> um i have a deep emotional connection to this movie this was formative in my love for both classic rock and drumming and music in general um i really like jack black and his shtick i really enjoy tenacious d uh, in particular, the movie and the related album, The Pick of Destiny. Um, if he doesn't do it for you, then I don't know what to tell you. It's just different strokes for different folks. But for me, this one not only hinges on the comedic performance of Jack Black, which I enjoy, but I also really like 
the connection that he forms with the kids in this movie. There's a scene with Tamika that, for me, is really emotional and quite quite a touching scene. There's one where he's acting quite fatherly towards Freddy and quite stern. Uh, the way that he, the way I can see him bring out Zach's musicianship um, reminds me of a way that a teacher did the same to me, uh, and I'm eternally grateful for that. And for all of those reasons and more, this movie means a ton to me. It will be with me in my life for a long time, and uh, I will continue to rewatch this regularly. Oh, I love that. Mm. That made me smile. Mm. This movie's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's great. Again, like I said at the beginning... It, it it all hinges on your opinion of Jack Black and his style of acting and comedy. It's very similar to Jim Carrey. You like him or you don't. And at times I like it and at times I don't. And this is one of the times where I'm teetering on the edge. The music is really good. When Jack Black is doing his musical riffs, he's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. His, um, I, th- I, I think the technical term is scat. Yep, that is the term. It's fun to watch. And, uh, but watching a movie where I am not cheering for the protagonist is difficult. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, Summer is one of the highlights for me as well. I love the character of Summer. Um, I had a good enough. I had I had a good time watching this movie. Fine, which uh, which is fine. Um, yeah, um, I I honestly part of my enjoyment of tonight was watching you gush over it and seeing your love and excitement for this film. I think I told you this. It must have been before we hit record, but this was a last minute cut for my top twenty of all time. Yeah, this this is a movie I hold in very high esteem. I love it. After the, after this recent rewatch, do you think it would sneak in? I'm not going to lie. I considered it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a good enough time for me. Cool. Who wants to rate first? What do you want, Sam? I'm obvious, so you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know what I'm giving this. Yeah. It's a three. Feels right. Yeah. It's right in the pocket. Yeah. it's I. I can tell you flat out right now. It's one of those solid threes. Yeah. It was never close to a two, mm-hmm. but doesn't approach a four. Yeah. It's a solid three for me. Yep. Uh, this is easy five for me. It was a five the last time I watched it. It'll be a five the next time I watched it. This movie means a lot to me. Uh, yeah. No question on the five there. When you begin your final thoughts with the words, it's fine, <laughs> I can pretty conclusively say that's a three. So, yeah, it's fine. Awesome. Sammy, what's going on next week? Uh, next week, episode 186, we are going to be talking about West Side Story. I didn't write it down, so that question mark is authentic. West yeah. Side Story, I believe. We're doing the... The original. The original. Yeah, West so 1960s? Oh, jeez. Is that right? Why, why am I not ready and prepared for that? I want to say 1960. Ah! We're obviously... Uh, we've obviously selected that movie because the Steven Spielberg West Side Story is finally coming out at long last. 61. But 61. Okay. So we are talking about 
the original West Side Story next week. Uh, I've never seen it. Manny, you have? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Only once. Only once. Only once. Okay. <laughs> Manny is looking over at the the shelf behind me and gesturing. It's right, right next to the town. Mm. Yeah. Right in the, in the W's. Yeah. In the in the dubs. In the dubs. Cool. So I'm excited. I mean, I know enough about it. I'm pretty sure it's just Romeo and Juliet to music in the 60s or in the 50s, whenever it is. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I can fuck with it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm super excited to revisit this movie because I've, I've only seen it once and the trailer for Steven Spielberg's one has me kind of really excited. Um, so I'm glad that we'll be... We'll be recording on the night of its release, correct? Yeah, we'll be recording. Well, it... Yeah. Yes. For some reason now movies get released on Thursdays instead yeah. of Fridays. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be re- recording the night of the release. Hmm. I'll... Will I be going on the Friday night? I don't know. Maybe they'll, maybe I'll go Sunday. I wonder hmm. if I can buy tickets. Anyways, I'll be seeing it. Cool. Very shortly after we right. watch it, so I'm 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 pretty pumped. I'm very excited. Also, um, oh, can I? Can you vamp for a second? Um, yeah. I my experience with Steven Spielberg leads me to be excited for the 2021 West Side Story, but I like I mentioned earlier, I don't really know enough about it to be excited for any story related reasons this isn't like for example the enjoyment that fans of the disney series uh when they get excited for the re-releases of the live action just based on it being the same property i i don't have that emotion at all generally but certainly mm-hmm. not for west side story so i just want to check it's number 41 on the afi top 100 hey i'll be crossing one off yeah cool sweet one of the, one of the statistics on letterboxd <laughs> <laughs> are we going to talk about that on the ride home <laughs> yeah Oh, I guess we're not there yet. Not there yet. Oh, shit. Yeah, we still have another one to we record. We got one to record tonight. Yeah, Fuck. yeah. Which could go long. Oh, boy. Okay, so. For the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. Oh, wait. Ah, fuck it. For the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Manny, you're the man. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios. <laughs>